Eddie Gardner, it is an absolute pleasure to sit down with you because you make a gigantic impact in our community, but you do it so quietly and I've heard so many good things about you through the community as a native court worker and I really think hearing from people like yourself is really important, especially in times like these, but all the time. And so I'm hoping you can do a brief introduction and perhaps we could start with the drum. Sure. My pleasure. Uh, we got this uh, drum, Darren Charlie from Strahalis, he made this drum and he knew that I was uh, um, defending wild salmon and uh, he wanted to sell it for $1,200 but he sold it to me for uh, $550. So, wow. Yeah, so it's a, it's a beautiful, it is. beautiful drum. So, um, so I'll sing... Um, I'll sing the, the salmon song to uh, honor our salmon. Uh, we consider our relatives Oosium. was beautiful can you tell us what the meaning behind that is yeah the uh, uh, the, the drums are, are the heartbeat of our of our uh, nation and um, uh, when we uh, sing with our, our, our drums um, uh, we sing with our, with our hearts and we merge our hearts with the uh, heartbeat of our, our mother earth and um, we uh, we always say that when we uh, when we sing those sacred songs, the ancestors they 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 come and and they be with us uh, to support and oversee what uh, what we're doing and and if we open our minds and our hearts to them, then they, they provide us with the guidance that we need, you know, to carry on uh, whatever whatever we're doing. So um, this uh, this song uh, is uh, the salmon song and. Um, the this song uh, uh, comes uh, from the guitarist family, actually, and <clears throat> um, Tilly Guitarist's uh, uh, grandfather was out fishing, uh, uh, and the salmon just weren't coming, and so he prayed, and and uh, the spirits came to him and and told him uh, that he was going to get a song, and so he did, and. Uh, he sang that song. He sang that song until uh, the uh, the salmon did come, 
and uh, because he, uh, the spirits wanted him to acknowledge uh, acknowledge the salmon as a relative, to acknowledge the salmon as uh, as uh, <coughs> a special gift from our uh, our Shwili, uh, our sacred life spirit. Um, so. Uh, when the salmon did come, he had enough, you know, for his family, and uh, they were able to uh, to uh, benefit from uh, this uh, this beautiful gift, this beautiful relative of ours. We called our our chachastakwi, uh, our sacred salmon. Oh wow! So is that how all songs are made through one person or through a family? Yeah, the uh, songs come from our ancestors, and. Uh, um, we, uh, uh, whenever I uh, sang songs uh, back east when I was growing up, um, I sang other people's songs and uh, they told me the meaning of them because some of them were uh, songs that honored, uh, honored uh, the water spirits, uh, honored uh, Mother Earth, honored uh, 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 life around them. And uh, I, I really took to the songs as a, as a young person. I was just drawn, you know, to the to to the drums, and <clears throat> when I came back home, um, I uh, was taken under uh, uh, Kelsey Charlie's wing, and he he taught me uh, all about our our traditional ways here of uh, connecting with uh, the land and our ancestors, and um, uh, so I, I I did go to the to the water in the winter time, and and. Uh, um, went to the longhouse and picked up all the all the teachings and um, so uh, one day when I went to the water I started to get to have songs come to me you know and uh, I got an eagle vision song a four direction song a healing song um, so s several several songs came to me one was a raven song and um, um, songs are so powerful when we uh, when we really connect, you know, with our uh, with our uh, what we call our relatives in a natural world, we have uh, what is called our tree of life, you know, our cedar tree. So I I live in in, in the unceded territory of uh, the Squaw people. It's off reserve, but I'm still living on the uh, unceded territory of our people. And Little Mountain is uh, is uh, our, our uh, territory part of our territory. So I go up to a little mountain and I spend time with time with the uh, with the cedar trees up there and um, I, I, I seek uh, I, I just uh, meditate and, and wait for messages that come you know from uh, from the cedar tree and Kape was a, um, a human being in, in the time of Shokhoyam and he was a very kind and generous man, and he led he led such a such a, an exemplary good life, you know, being uh, being kind and generous to everybody. And Chachals, our great transformer, when he, they saw him uh, living such a good life like that, they told him, "One, it's your time to go to the spirit world. Um, a cedar tree will grow where you're you're laid." And so that's what happened. And uh, uh, in our history, uh, the cedar trees uh, grew like giants in the sky, and and uh, they provided our people with uh, so many good things. Uh, the wood was uh, 
provided uh, to us uh, from the cedar tree to build our lawn hoses, to make our canoes and canoe paddles. The, uh, uh, the, the roots were made, you know, to make our baskets and, and the, uh, the bark was made to, to uh, create beautiful clothes, you know, like our cedar hats and headbands and our women wore cedar skirts. Um, we had, uh, uh, we made uh, uh, mats out of uh, cedar and uh, um, so so many things rope so many things were made uh, from our cedar that it uh, it, it was recognized uh, as uh, as the spirit the true spirit the the true shwili of uh, of khape and uh, and and that's uh, generosity so we even use uh, cedar tree uh, to uh, to cleanse and renew ourselves and that's really important you know because uh, uh, sometimes we need uh, uh, to uh, recenter ourselves and balance ourselves when our, when we're out of uh, we're, when we're out of balance when we're thrown off uh, course of, about who we need to be. Uh, so cedar tree, uh, the cedar branches are like the hands of uh, of Kape and they cleanse away and take away uh, all all the things that uh, aren't helpful to us in our ceremonies. So cedar is uh, used uh, ceremonially as well. Um, so uh, when I went to uh, the mountain and, and, and offered salmon, you know, to the, to the cedar trees, offered tobacco and, and showed my respect and had really good thoughts uh, about, uh, about the cedar tree and, and what it represents to us and, and uh, acknowledged our ancestor who whose shwili is in all the cedar trees. Um, I got a song, you know, after, yeah. So that was, uh, uh, that's, that's a huge significance to us, just, uh, you know, the, uh, the tree of life of our, of our people. And uh, I'm so uh, delighted and happy that uh, we have that, that connection. Nobody else has that connection except the, uh, the stall of people. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I I want to know more about the music. How long does it take for you to learn someone's song? Um, <clears throat> well, uh, it it does take uh, uh, some discipline. It does take uh, some some real concentration on uh, on picking up the songs. Um, if a song does come to you, then uh, it's a it's easier. You know, we can get some songs in the sweat lodge. We can get songs uh, going to the water. We can get songs in our dreams, um, and and those songs that come to us uh, uh, are easier than to pick up other people's songs. At least for myself, anyways. I know some uh, others like Kelsey Charlie and some uh, some other some of the other singers. Uh, they're very powerful uh, singers and drummers. And they're gifted in a special way, so it's it's a little different for everybody. Um, but uh, uh, if if you have a good mind and a good heart, and you want to learn uh, songs, um, then uh, you take your own time, you know, to to learn them. But it's really important to learn learn the history of the songs and and to uh, know the significance. And and uh, when you sing those songs then you put your heart into it. You put your, 
you put your 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 soul your spirit into it and and that's the vibration that's the energy that's the uh the power that uh, of love and respect and and harmony that goes out into the world and and brings benefit to wherever it's needed because we have songs you know for our uh, uh people who are suffering from a loss or uh, we have songs to celebrate you know a, a wedding we, we have songs to honor you know our uh, our children uh, songs to honor you know the salmon and and so there's there are so many different songs that uh, that we have and uh, we're rich that way we're really rich that way and um when we uh wherever we go across turtle island you know people are are Quilmuk people, the indigenous people, they always have a, uh, their drums and their rattles and their, their flutes, you know, that, uh, that are used, you know, to, uh, to reconnect with Ha-Ha-Shwili, uh, Sacred Life Spirit, Mother Earth, Father Sky, our ancestors, and uh, all our relatives in the natural world. That's our connection, you know, uh, to, uh, to what has uh, be, become more known now as uh, as Turtle Island. Yeah. Right? yeah. I think you're right about that there's a depth to it that doesn't seem to exist in Western culture because a lot of popular music today doesn't have much of any meaning at all in comparison to honoring and respecting and giving thanks and connecting. So is there other songs you can share with us and a little bit of the meaning? Because I think that that's something that a lot of people miss out on is what the meaning is to the drumming and what the meaning is to the song. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> um, when I, uh, when I went to, uh, the water, um, I, uh, the first song that came to me was the, uh, the four, uh, a four direction songs. There's lots of four direction songs, but, uh, each direction carries, a a, a special, um, message teaching um and so when we uh when we uh face the four directions and sing song the uh, song to the four directions uh what it means is that uh, we're honoring um the guidance and the teachings that come from those directions in the east uh, we uh we honor uh um the direction of new beginnings, the direction of truth, the direction of uh, of uh, uh, healing our minds, you know, so that we can take away uh, all the uh, lies that we've been told and clear all those things away, so that we can uh, be uh, be clear in our minds and use that inner wisdom and and open ourselves to the illumination of our of our chachashuli. Uh, uh, to 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 bless us and to uh, and to make sure that we have uh, we center ourselves and 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 go in the direction that we need at whatever stage in life that we're at, and um, the 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 south is the direction of uh, growth. It's the direction of uh, of uh, our young people who need to take uh, take up uh, um, a quest. To find out what their what their gift and their talent and how to use the special nature that uh, that they have, so that they can uh, they can continue to grow and expand and uh, leave childhood uh, the some of the childhood things they don't need anymore and start taking those first steps towards the maturity and um, and that and develop a trust in themselves 
and then um, and acknowledge, you know, what uh, what true love really means. You know, it means uh, reconnecting. It needs connecting truly with divine love, divine love that is unconditional, divine love that uh, teaches us to love ourselves, to uh, appreciate ourselves, to know that we're worthy, and then we can. Uh, we can uh, share that and uh, open ourselves to uh, to developing good relationships with others. And then the, the West is the direction of uh, of responsibility and, and adulthood. So we thank the uh, the Bear Spirit. We thank the for for teaching us about strength and about uh, about being resourceful and about uh, um, being able to you know to as humans to to uh, to know have a greater sense of what is sacred around us and and um, to be able to be responsible for ourselves be responsible for the young ones that are coming from behind and also be responsible and take good care of the elders who are uh, many who are not able to take care of themselves as they once did right so we honor uh, we truly honor our, our elders and we teach uh, young people how to honor the young ones as well at that stage and then um, <clears throat> um, we uh, uh, acknowledge that uh, at that stage in our life the adult stage where we've we've really experienced life enough so that we can um, uh, know uh, and learn from our mistakes we've we've uh, been humble you know and and uh, uh, learn from all those mistakes, and that we have enough experience to uh, uh, to 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 guide us uh, further into uh, into our life, and um, and uh, at that stage of life, we uh, were able to go within uh, a lot more uh, in reverence, you know, to to everyone and everything around us, and uh, that's where we get our strength. You know, to be humble and to uh, know that uh, we're we're never going to stop learning. And then we go to the elder stage, and the 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 elders, the the, the teaching from uh, from the north is uh, is the teaching of generosity. You know, we need to we need to learn to be generous. You know, with uh, with what uh, we've experienced through our life. If we've lived a long, good life. Um, we've we, we've learned a lot. And so it's important to pass on to the uh, to the next generation. You know what we've inherited from our 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 lineage, our, our great lineage, into the past, and and uh, um, and because we carried the values, because we carried the you know the strong belief systems uh, and spiritual practices, we can teach the young ones that are coming from behind. So that they can uh, they can learn those lessons in a way that uh, they won't have to suffer so much because there's 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 lessons that we can pick up, you know, by uh, the wisdom of the elders, and then there's the the lessons we get through the hard knocks. So the uh, the elders are kind to try to guide us and uh, steer us away from some of the pitfalls that uh, we have sometimes. So yeah, that, so those songs are are. For, to honor those four directions. That's so beautiful. And I think one part that you just spoke about, about responsibility in young people, it feels, from my perspective, 
that that message is really, really missing. I know a lot of peers are all about what makes them happy, what makes them smile, what new iPhone there is, what new laptop, what new technology is available, new Tesla, and this idea of responsibility, of honoring things, of having humility, I think is something that, in, from what I'm seeing, even through other religions, indigenous culture and what you're saying is one of the only belief systems that's really pushing young people to take up a mantle of responsibility and to play a role in the community. Can you elaborate a little bit on that more? What does it look like to to mature and to develop and to take on that responsibility? Um, well, our our, uh, our 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 people have uh, uh, different uh, ceremonies and different uh, um, practices that uh, that help our young people um uh grow in a way that uh uh that that uh, teaches them about their soul purpose we all have uh we all come here for a reason and uh human beings um yearn to find the answers to these questions, these fundamental questions in our lives, you know, where, where did we come from? You know, why are we here? Where are we going? You know, uh, some of those are, are great mysteries that, uh, that uh, human beings have uh, pondered over, you know, for, for ever since uh, humans came to this, uh, this world. And, um, so our teachings are to uh, uh, to the young ones are to take them out, you know, into uh, into a, a vision quest, and um, um, and that and that's where they spend four days and four nights without drinking and without eating, and uh, and just wait, you know, for for uh, the messages that uh, come from spirit to uh, to 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 guide them, to teach them. Uh, about who they are and, and uh, where they come from and uh, how to use, what direction do they really need to, to, to take, where, what are the priorities, where are the commitments that uh, uh, they need to, uh, to uh, embrace and, and, and to live and to be honest with themselves and, to, and for the young men they, they, need, to, uh, they need to learn and, and um, respect that balance of being a, a part uh, uh, male and part female because we uh, all human beings whether you're a woman or a man you, you do have uh, masculine and feminine energies and you need to have that balance and really honor really honor women you know so uh, the old ones uh, the, the older ones they teach those uh, things to uh, to the young ones so when they come out of the uh, um, uh, out of uh, uh, a vision quest like that they can uh, they, they can be guided by by an elder who is uh, overseeing them and and uh, the, the young ones would uh, teach uh, 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 tell the uh, the older ones about uh, what they experienced in, 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 in their uh, vision quest and it's the elders who are able to uh, kind of help them interpret it, interpret everything that they, they've experienced, right? 
so that they get the right, you know, a good perspective of uh, of uh, what awaits them and what they need to do in the in the now. And the women, uh, um, they also have uh, uh, special uh, ceremonies to help them emerge and come out of uh, from uh, from being a girl to being a woman, much like the uh, uh, the men who take the uh, young boys aside and teach them how to become a man. Um, and it's the the uh, the uh, older women who, who teach them about how to conduct themselves as uh, as life givers, uh, prepare them, you know, for uh, 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 bearing children and uh, when to do it and uh, and to um, <coughs> um, know know about uh, about uh, the power of women and the cycles that they go through and and, and the significance of that uh, their relationship to the sacred waters and to grandmother moon um, all the feminine uh, energies are very powerful, just like the masculine energies, you know. So, so the men and women, they, they, they realize that there, um, there is a difference between the, the male and the female. Yet they need, they, they know that there's a, there, there, there's a sacred connection that needs to be honored. And if it's not honored, then things can go sideways. So they're brought up that way, and uh, um, those are some of the those are some of the practices that uh, that are that are done to prepare our young people for uh, for for adulthood. Right. Just going to the masculine and feminine, and going to that balance that has a lot of similarities with the yin and yang symbol. Yeah. And I'm just interested to know: Do you think that there's this depth to just human beings? that intrinsically looks and knows about these patterns and finds these patterns. Because I think that that is true, that there is a balance to be struck. Mm. And it seems like other cultures have found perhaps similar ways of describing that same connection. Mm -hmm. Well, um, we're, uh, um, every, every human being that uh, comes into the world, um, we're all made of uh, fire, water, earth, and air. Right, so um, uh, the fire and the air that represents uh, that represents the masculine energies, and water and earth represent the uh, the feminine energies. And uh, when we look uh, when we look around us in the natural world, um, uh, those energies are in uh, in everything. Um, and. Uh, <clears throat> When I went to the uh, cedar trees uh, one day, um, I waited for a, a good message, and um, uh, the message I got from uh, the the cedar trees that day was was that uh, if you look at if you look at how we are, you know, and these trees were big trees, they went pretty high in the sky, and and they're still there. Um, and I still visit them, but they uh, they said uh, that uh, if you really watch us, if you see how how we've grown, um, we we did absorb the the energies of uh, of the sun. That's a masculine energy, the energy of Father Sky. That's an energy, 
and uh, <clears throat> um, and our roots go deep into Mother Earth, and uh, the rains and the moisture that comes uh, when we when our roots go to a, a riverbed, um, we absorb those feminine energies of Mother Earth and the and the water spirits, and so. If uh, if you move if you move forward in your life and continue to balance you know uh, the masculine and feminine energies within you in a, in the right way you'll see that you will grow you'll continue to grow and um, and uh, like us you know you will bring benefits across uh, generations just by being who you are and honoring those uh, those energies that you have. So I thought that was a really good way to uh, to explain that everything has uh, masculine and feminine energies, and uh, and 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 so do we. So um, it it pays no uh, benefit to uh, to 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 put down women or or to put down men. They need to be held in balance because they're they're both necessary. You know. Uh, to be in harmony, to be in harmony of, of uh, how we need to be, you know, to live in this beautiful Mother Earth of ours, that uh, uh, everything is a, an expression of those uh, feminine and masculine energies, and that's the way we need to be. That's the way we need to be as well. Yeah. That's, that's absolutely beautiful, and I think not being said enough by a lot of people, so I'm really grateful to be able to have you on. Can you tell us a little bit more about uh, Spirit Quests or Vision Quests? Do they still take place today? Are they still common? Um, yeah, they 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 are common. I've I've gone on uh, on on Vision Quests um, in my life. Uh, when I was young, I I I I didn't benefit from that. I was uh, I moved away. I was born in Hope, BC, and my and my dad he got a. Uh, a job in Setsil, Quebec, and he moved our family uh, over there. And so I grew up in um, in a town that uh, that included, uh, you know, French and English, Italians, Portuguese, uh, uh, and then the Wilmot. Uh, they were there. The Inu people were there. They were called Montagnier in them days. Um, but I didn't. I didn't bring up. I didn't have the the, the upbringing of uh, of living in uh, in our village, like at Squaw or Stahelis or or uh, um, other other uh, communities in our territory here. I was estranged from our territory. But uh, when I came back home, I I uh, I, I, I knew the significance of uh, of going on. Um, uh, a four-day fast and and what it meant and I learned when I came back home that there 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 were uh, um, ceremonies and uh, 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 there's uh, um, ways that uh, that uh, have our 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 men take take the young boys and they bring them out and they teach them how to hunt. They teach them how to uh, fish. They teach them how, uh, how to become a man. And uh, 
all the values of and, and the rules and the responsibilities that they need to uh, prepare themselves for because uh, um, they're going to be the ones that will have to carry on you know what uh, what is being left you know to us through our uh, through our oral uh, um, teachings that have been passed down from generations and generations they're taught uh, to go out and uh, and um, uh, create things and uh, <clears throat> when they're when they're guided you know with uh, those teachings about uh, how to become a man from the circle of men uh, then uh, then they become confident, they become more confident in, in, in how they need to relate to themselves as a young man uh, and emerging, emerging towards, uh, towards uh, full maturity. And, uh, and part of that is, uh, is, is always to, uh, to, to uh, uh, cultivate that, uh, that deep respect that they need to have, you know, with, uh, with uh, women. Yeah. With, uh, um, the feminine energies. So, um, and the um, and the women likewise. They uh, they're able to take uh, the young girls aside, away from uh, the men, away from the society, and they 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 surround them and and teach them about uh, about uh, uh, what it's like to become a woman, what it's like to give birth, what it's like to. Uh, uh, be a mother. Um, what is uh, what is that special connection that they have? You know, with Grandmother Moon and Mother Earth, um, and uh, the, the the power that women the, that women have, you know, is is very precious as as a life giver. So they're given all kinds of really good teachings uh, that the that the women know how to express and to to pass on to the young girls. So that uh, so that they they, they can uh, appreciate uh, who they are as life givers and uh, and relate to men in in a way that is uh, respectful and that um, uh, becoming a becoming a woman uh, they have their special place in our uh, in our history. Um, we we uh we we come from a, a matrilineal um, way of life, and uh, so the women are taught about that uh, feminine lineage that they, that they have, and and the role that women played in in decision making, um, and uh, it's a it's in sharp contrast to. Uh, to the patriarchal society where men dominated everything and um, there and 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 we can see that imbalance uh, that's there because uh, patriarchy is uh, is still alive there's been some progress that has been made towards uh, towards uh, um, dismantling uh, patriarchy that has gotten gotten us into an awful lot of trouble but uh, I think uh, I think at least things are moving in the right direction um, and, and it needs to continue. But uh, the traditional ways that we had, you know, with, uh, with bringing up the young ones through these practices is, uh, is, is very, very important. 
I really agree with you because I think that going, experiencing hunting and experiencing fishing are some of the things I missed out on living in a rural, in an urban setting where it was so busy. Um, we grew up in poverty, so there was no financial opportunities to go fishing, to go hunting when I was living in downtown Chilliwack. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really interested in learning more about those elements because it is about becoming self-sufficient, but it's also understanding a lot of what's gone on in my history. So my grandmother was Rita Pete and um, she obviously experienced Indian residential school, which obviously had a huge impact on her life. And then my mother um, was raised by my uh, grandmother, Dorothy Kennett, who, uh, so she was part of the 60s scoop and it ended up being beneficial in that we had a lot of family support but I missed out on learning to fish, learning to hunt, learning where the spots are that you're supposed to go, um, learning about the traditions of the, the ceremonies and how those processes work. And to this day, I've really never had those experiences. And so mm -hmm. it's, it's really meaningful to learn about the impact that that has in, on development of a person because it's something to me a lot of my friends and family have also missed out on. And mm -hmm. so there's this deep disconnect that I see with nature and us and feeling like being in nature is being on a main trail and being in the middle of a, an urban setting like Stanley Park and you're somehow in nature and it's like you're sort of in nature but you're definitely in an urban setting still and mm -hmm. so that's all I've really ever experienced um, growing up and, and even to, to this date and so I'm interested to learn more about that relationship with catching animals or with hunting because hunting is something I think that's gotten more recently a, a bad reputation but I think indigenous cultures really show how to do that properly so would you be able to share a little bit about that that approach yeah I can I can uh, share what I know about it uh, there's there's a lot of uh, teachings that uh, that our people have uh, uh, about uh, about hunting um, and and fishing and and gathering our our medicines and our our, our food that comes from uh, from our our our, our stomach our, our homeland here and um, uh, hunting is uh, uh, it, it's very important to uh, 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 become a, a, a as uh, aware of the fact that uh, that in order in order um, to uh, to survive in this uh, world, um, something else has to has to die. That's um, it is a fact. But when uh, we we teach people about uh, about uh, what we need to live, um, everything that uh our the the life spirit of this universe uh it created an abundance of everything um and uh we need to we need to uh honor the spirit honor the spirits of uh of those who uh, uh we believe are, are are there to sacrifice themselves so that so that we can live so that other animals could live, perhaps, you know, like a deer. Um, there's wolves that uh, hunt the deer, and uh, uh, the deers have to be there, you know, in order to uh, for the wolves to live. And um, there's always that uh, balance of uh, 
a predator and prey uh, that uh, that is uh, so much of a so much a reality. If the if the wolf population uh, um, hunts uh, hunts deer almost to extinction, then there's not enough food, you know, for the uh, for the wolves, and the wolves start to die back. And when the wolves die back, then the uh, the deer population uh, goes up, right? So there's there's always that. Uh, that the ebb and flow of uh, of life uh, in that uh, context, but when we go out to hunt, um, what we do is we uh, uh, we need to uh, use our songs, use our our prayers, our own way of praying, you know, to um, to honor the uh, the ones that we're going to hunt, and and not and and do it uh, within our minds, not to waste anything. Not to make sure that uh, when we uh, when we take an animal, we, uh, we 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 thank the animal for for giving up its life, you know, so that we we could uh, continue to benefit. Because there's uh, there's nothing that we can give back to Mother Nature except because uh, we're so vulnerable, we're so dependent on nature uh, that uh, we need to bow in honor of them and uh, and and provide. And, and just uh, have that uh, that spiritual soul uh, gratitude and respect, you know, for 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 the for 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 the animals uh, that we're, we're we're hunting, so that we can have food, so that we can have you know the bones can be used for uh, for for utensils, and the hide you know can be used for clothes, so, um, and uh, make our drums and and. Uh, and uh, make sure that we don't uh, we don't waste anything. Um, and so when we do that, when we do that with uh, with that mindset and our heart set, there's two things that uh, that uh, we need to talk about uh, when we do that. Very often, uh, people talk about the mindset that we need to have, but uh, we as Wilmot people also talk about the heart set that we need to have, and uh, Gratitude and love and respect are uh, come from the heart, not from the mind. So that's the way we need to think, you know, when we're going to hunt. That uh, we're grateful, you know, for the for for them providing us with what we need to live a good life, and not to take any more than what we need. Not to overhunt, not to overfish, but to take only what you need, and that way. You know, life can continue on this planet, and uh, future generations can always benefit. Because we talk about uh, tamiok in our in, in our language, um, our language was almost uh, totally uh, totally uh, uh, gone by the wayside. But uh, we're 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 so lucky that we had uh, elders and people who were really. Uh, interested in, in making sure that we continued with our uh, uh, our language and there's a revitalization of Halkamalam and this word Tomyuk is uh, is of great significance because we're always uh, that that word Tomyuk means we're always at the center there's seven generations behind us and there's seven generations before us and so we we we, we always want to make sure that uh, that uh, we acknowledge, you know, the, what 
seven generations past have left us. When we look around and live us, we still have, we, there's, there's a lot of things that have disappeared because of climate change and because of uh, overpopulation, but uh, we still have what we need. So we carry that responsibility to honor our ancestors and, uh, and live our life in a good way so that we can be good ancestors to the next uh, seven generations and leave behind, uh, live uh, uh, with a light carbon footprint as we talk about today, you know, so that life can continue, This the land can be protected, the waters, the sacred waters can be protected enough so that our uh, uh, future generations will, will continue to benefit from, uh, from Mother Earth. So There is a lot to what you just said. I think seeing a lot of this um, vegan plant-based movement is partly, not all of it, but partly a reflection of this disconnect we have with animals and this feeling of that we're taking and not offering any gratitude towards it. And I think I see with, with well-intentioned vegans and well-intentioned vegetarians that their heart is really... I didn't do anything to deserve this. I didn't do anything to earn this. I didn't honor this animal. There's part of that in why they're choosing to become a vegetarian or a vegan, mm -hmm. that they don't feel that they're playing any positive role, that they're just taking and not offering anything in return. And so I've seen that with a few. Obviously, there's some who do it for health reasons, but there's some who just feel that they don't have the right to take a life, that they don't have that position. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's reflected in this feeling of honoring and appreciating and utilizing fully. And I also had the opportunity, I don't know if you know the town butcher, yeah, but Bill Turnbull works very hard to make sure that all the animals he brings in are well treated, that they have the proper nutrients, that there's no antibiotics or hormones added mm -hmm. to modify the animal for our consumption. And so mm -hmm. I think that we're, as a Western society, starting to wake up to these ideas that have been long standing in indigenous traditions. Mm -hmm. And I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, you're right, this climate change movement, they're almost... Um, following indigenous teachings, um, just using different terminology, and I'm interested in your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think um, you know you're you're, you're right. Uh, there's um, uh, that right relationship that uh, that we need to foster and and have with uh, with the, the birds, the animals, the fish the ones that crawl, the ones that uh, uh, flutter, all of them, you know, the rooted ones, all of them um, uh, are, are, are special gifts. We've uh, 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 been exploring, you know, going out into the world, uh, into the universe now, and uh, seeking, uh, seeking life somewhere else. But nowhere have they found yet uh, a beautiful, beautiful jewel that we uh, that we see uh, we see as Mother Earth and Mother Earth. Mother Earth has a spirit. Uh, some people call it Gaia, or we call it our our Chacha Tamok Fatal, our Sacred Mother Earth that has a spirit. And um, if we develop uh, uh, the right relationship with uh, with uh, our, our Sacred Mother Earth and all the gifts 
that she provides, you know, the, the, the generosity of, uh, of the, and, and the abundance of life, you know, that uh, is around us. We need to establish that uh, right relationship with, uh, with them. And we as Quilmuk people, um, when, we say, um, when we say all my relations, that means we acknowledge, you know, the, our relatives, the rooted ones. Um, we honor, we, are, we have special ceremonies that honor the, uh, the, the salmon, the first salmon ceremony every year. Can you tell us a little bit more about the, the first salmon ceremony? Yeah, um, there, there's, uh, uh, in our history, uh, we, uh, we believe that uh, salmon are truly our, our, our relatives. Um, and uh, every year, in order to acknowledge and appreciate uh, our relatives who, who come up in these uh, cycles, uh, from the headwaters, they go all the way out to the ocean and uh, they go big and they come back and they have to swim upstream and they find their way right back where they were born. So they have that trust in themselves uh, and they have that, that uh, sense of life purpose that uh, they need to they swim in, in large numbers you know, as a huge tribe, you know, to make their way uh, through these cycles so that they can feed the orca, they can feed the bears and the wolves and the humans and uh, still thrive and still grow in numbers uh, through their natural cycles. All that needs to happen is for them to have that free passage, that free, clean passage for them to, uh, to, to swim in a clean ocean and a clean water, in the clean waters. And... Um, uh, so when our people uh, uh, go fishing uh, in the springtime and they catch that first salmon, they bring that salmon uh, uh, to uh, to the community, and um, they uh, they do these special preparations to cook the the, the salmon over uh, over an open fire, and uh, um, our uh, spiritual people. Um, they use the cedar, you know, to uh, uh, brush a pathway, you know, for them. And we have our drummers and singers. After the after the uh, the salmon has been cooked, there's a feast in the, in, a, in a hall or in the longhouse, and uh, we bring in the salmon and the the, the salmon are they're sung into the uh, uh, longhouse and they go counterclockwise. And the reason why they go counterclockwise is because they they go back, it's like going back in history, going back to our ancestors, thanking our ancestors for all the teachings and, and, uh, and guidance that they've, uh, they're providing us. So we're singing and we're, we're praying that they come and help us, you know, continue on our, our, our way of life. And uh, <clears throat> the salmon is brought to the center, the first salmon is brought to the center, and everybody in the longhouse, they, the, the people who do the first salmon ceremony invite people from uh, from uh, around uh, the territory to come and and, uh, and witness you know what is going on and uh, they're they're asked to everybody to have a little piece of that salmon and to take the bones and make sure that they're 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 all gathered up after uh, after they share the salmon 
and uh, the remains of the salmon. What, uh, what happens after uh, the ceremony is over and after people have uh, stood up, you know, and, and talked about, uh, about how important this, sam uh, the, this first salmon ceremony is, how important uh, um, uh, the salmon is to our people. It's uh, how, how it's fundamental to our, our spiritual, cultural, and physical well-being that uh, uh, we, in fact, are salmon people. And uh, once, uh, once all the sharing is done, uh, they bring a young one and the elder and the fishermen, they, they go back to the water and they pray to the water spirits, thanking the water spirits for being a wonderful home for the swimmer, for the ones that swim, for the salmon. And uh, they release the, uh, the bones and the remains uh, back into the, uh, back into the uh, river. And um, they thank, thanking the, uh, uh, the salmon spirits, the salmon people. Uh, for for continuing on their on their annual on their cycles, so that uh, so that uh, they can uh, continue to to uh, uh, benefit from this uh, rich resource, uh, the this sustenance that uh, that we have uh, from the salmon. There's many good benefits that come with uh, with uh, consuming uh, clean, good salmon. And so uh, we recommit ourselves to making sure that we carry out our responsibility, you know, to care for the salmon, to care for the river, and um, uh, so that uh, future generations can continue to benefit from it. And we believe that if we don't do this ceremony, if we quit doing this ceremony, then the salmon won't come back anymore. Um, and in today's world, what I, what uh, what is going on is uh, is that uh, uh, people from uh, many other parts of the world have come into our territory, and uh, <clears throat> we invite those key people who have a, a responsibility, you know, to uh, for for the uh, the ocean and the rivers and the salmon, like uh, the Department of Fisheries and Oceans. We like to uh, we like to try and, and cultivate that respect, you know, with them as well, because now it's uh, it's not only us, you know, that carries this responsibility. This is a shared responsibility that we have, and uh, we all need to be uh, uh, in unity with this this spirit of of uh, connecting, you know, with the salmon. I think that that is something where, like, in my head, I hear the atheists speaking in my head and going, connection to salmon and to trees, what is that? Like, how, prove that. And so I think I just want to tie in that there is real evidence for what you're saying. There is, yeah. like, through evolution, through biology, we know that we're descendants of trees and we have a lineage and a DNA connection with these things that go all the way through history to the beginning of species and the beginning of like phytonutrients and so we've had this connection for a really long time and I just want to give that credit of again I think indigenous culture has known this through for a long time this connection and now science is starting to show that that connection is true that we are connected on a deep molecular level to the things around us mm -hmm. and that this isn't 
just spiritual. This is actually true. This is, we have evidence to support exactly what you're saying. And I think that 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 is a gateway for a lot of people who struggle with the spiritual. Because I've always been that more logical person and always had struggles with those ideas. But the more I've been able to understand through a scientific lens that what you're saying it fits in with the science properly. We understand evolution. We understand how things adapt and change and grow. And um, there's this great Netflix documentary called Connected. And they show how the winds in the Sahara Desert actually impact Greenland and other places around the world because the sand and the dirt that picks up there actually protects our ozone layer and does a whole bunch of things that we didn't realize it did and plays a role in different ecosystems around the world. Mm -hmm. And they do eight episodes on the various ways that our earth is connected. Oh, yeah. And so I think that all of these things get lost to people where they think that they have a small impact. But if you have a whole community of people not recycling, that mm -hmm. has impacts with the oceans just yeah. down the way. Yeah. And I don't know if you've heard of Boyan Slat, but he's actually working on cleaning up the oceans. And he started that at like 16. And uh, his program is called the Ocean Cleanup. And so wow. they've been working on that since he was, yeah, 16. And they've got um, machines that go along the water that try and pick up. I don't know if you've heard of the garbage patches that exist, mm -hmm. but there's giant, um, giant, almost the size of Texas, I think, is the North America garbage patch. And it's just garbage that has built up in the, our oceans for years and years and years that we've never done anything about. And he's trying to address it and trying to find a way to bring that back to land. And then what he wants to do is recycle it okay. and allow people to purchase the items that come from it. So if it's a bunch of bottles and you get like new shoes from cleaning up the oceans and trying to do that in a more sustainable way. Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that, that's absolutely awesome. Um, and it's, uh, it, uh, it, it uh, inspires hope for humanity. Yeah. And um, there, there, there's uh, quite a few things we can, uh, we can uh, talk about, you know, regarding, uh, regarding the conditions that we're living in right now in this, uh, on this Mother Earth of ours. Um, and uh, uh, when, we look at it, when we look at it from our uh, uh, Stalo perspective, at least from my Stalo perspective, um, I look at our, our great lineages that go deep. Uh, it's a very deep and profound uh, relationship that we have, you know, with this part of our world. And Shukhuyam um, um, was, a, was a time of chaos. And uh, our transformers moved through our territory and, and uh, transformed those beings that were uh, uh, doing good things. They transformed them into what we call skakhas, uh, skakhamas, which uh, means uh, uh, gifts from, uh, from the Creator or from uh, Life Spirit. And um, so those... Uh, 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 those special relationships that we have uh, um, carried carried uh, a, a deep, deep sense of gratitude, respect, and responsibility. And um, if we if, if we don't live those uh, those values 
and principles, then then uh, we're we're going to be contributing towards. We will contribute towards uh, a continued spin, uh, uh, out of control uh, chaos uh, called climate change. So we uh, we we have to be very mindful about that. And the fact that uh, that we're living in um, uh, a new uh, a world that is much different than that distant past <clears throat> and from the distant past uh, going all the way to where we are today um, we've become uh, uh, minorities in our in our uh, homeland and um, we have much to uh, to to uh, contribute because because uh, we as uh, as Wilmot uh, as indigenous people, uh, we come uh, uh, we come from great civilizations. Um, the uh, Europeans came here and they <clears throat> they um, they followed what was uh, uh, given to them by uh, Pope Nicholas V uh, when he wrote the uh, the papal bull that gave. Uh, them the sense that they have this right, you know, to go out to new lands and and uh, and uh, wherever there are Saracens and pagans, they uh, they were um, they were told that they have a right to uh, uh, subdue them and uh, take over their land and and uh, and make sure that uh, that uh, uh, Christianity was uh, spread throughout uh, any new territories and that. Uh, we weren't we weren't even considered as human beings, you know. Um, so, uh, but that dark period is uh, is uh, uh, the worst seems to be over. But there's a whole lot of healing that needs to take place, you know, to have that right relationship that uh, that is built that it, that needs to be established. And uh, the right relationship needs to have that understanding of that rich cultural heritage that we have, these, these laws that we follow, these principles and these values that we've embraced, you know, for thousands and thousands of years are just as, just as relevant today, you know, as they were thousands of years ago. So uh, when we look at the world and how things have spun out of control, we can see that, uh, that science and technology has taken us down a materialistic path. And that materialistic path has uh, gotten us into an awful lot of trouble. Um, and, uh, and that's why we're experiencing uh, climate uh, uh, chaos now. Um, and uh, when we see all the good things that you talked about, you know, about uh, people around the world noticing, you know, what's going on, you know, we need to clean up the environment. We need to respect it. We depend on this, these life-giving gifts that, uh, that have been provided to us in a way that, uh, that uh, humanity can continue. And if we don't, then humanity is, is going to have their turn their turn to go extinct because a lot of animals and birds and and plants have gone extinct because of human activity and uh, corporations um, 
they don't have a soul. They don't have a spirit. So uh, the way science and technology has been used leaves out what is very, uh, very essential, and that's spirituality. So we need to weave spirituality within the science and technology in a way that will uh, create a paradigm shift that is absolutely essential if we're going to survive as, uh, as human beings. If, if life on this beautiful planet of ours is going to have life, then, uh, then it's absolutely essential that we accomplish this. And once, once, once spirit, once spirituality is, uh, is, uh, has, be, has become instilled in the consciousness of, uh, of, uh, of people, then maybe that will put an end to uh, uh, giving so much power to corporations because they've been given the status as a person, an, an entity um, that has no soul. And if they, uh, if they, if we're able to change that and uh, put the soul in there somehow, put the spirit in there in, in that somehow, then, then we'll have a whole new, new world outlook that money isn't a god, you know. Money is, uh, can be good, but it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's gone, it's gone wrong because uh, it's only used to destroy Mother Earth destroy the life-giving gifts that we have for money and uh, they can provide you know rationale um, as much as they want but if they leave that spiritual connection out of there uh, it's not going to mean anything because they'll continue to sacrifice sacrifice uh, the earth uh, for profit only and, and, and that's wrong. But I can see uh, um, that there are changes that are being made and there are human beings from all colors, from all backgrounds who are rising up now. There seems to be a, 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 um, more respect than ever before to uh, indigenous peoples around the world and how we relate to Mother Earth. And uh, the value of that has uh, has gone up, and that's why you see people fighting to uh, <clears throat> to save old growth um, old growth uh, trees and uh, cleaning up the ocean and uh, doing things you know to uh, to, uh, to 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 respect uh, to truly respect uh, uh, our environment. Um, and uh, it, it, it kind of reminds me of uh, of what the spirits have uh, been telling us, um, especially especially with the uh, uh, the two hundred and fifteen uh, plus uh, children who were discovered at the Kumlooks. Um Our people responded. Our people had a spirit, that powerful spiritual connection, and they actually, they, they knew what to do. So they, they acknowledged that they were found. They were found. We have to go see them now. So they got their canoes, 
and they got their drummers and singers, they got their people who knew ceremony and knew those connections to ancestors and they went up to uh, to Kumbhuts and um, they did ceremony up there and they were able to, uh, they were able to uh, invite, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the, the children who were, who were earthbound spirits, you know, inside those uh, residential schools and uh, they, they, they uh, were able to comfort them enough, you know, with our songs and with our encouragement that uh, you belong, you are loved, you are worthwhile, you are, you are valued, you know, you are loved, we love you, come and get in our canoes and we're taking you back home. So uh, some of our people uh, actually were able to see, you know, the, uh, uh, the old ones. Uh, time means something totally different on the other side. So the old spirits came down, uh, they, they, they made themselves small so that they could, uh, they could uh, be with the uh, younger spirits and, and persuade them, you know, that, uh, that it is a good thing to go back home, not to be afraid. And so they got on the canoes and they came home. And when they got home, um, we did our burning ceremonies. Our burning ceremonies are very powerful because we feed the spirits. We, we, uh, we send them clothes. We burn clothes for them. We gifts, you know, there are things that go to the other side. And when we did that ceremony, that burning ceremony in our community, our holy ones, our, our sacred, our people who know the sacred work, we're, uh, we're noticing uh, uh, and seeing, you know, the, what was happening on the other side and the messages that they were sending us. So, Samathakal, uh, uh, he, he, uh, he explained that uh, um, it's different on the other side now. We asked uh, uh, different uh, people from uh, different families to stand up and be in a line, you know, stand in a line. So we all got up there and we, we stood in a line and he said, he said, the way you are now, he said, that's the way it is on the other side. He said, it's not me talking, it's them. They're, what they're wanting you to do is say, is to, is to be like them. They're all standing in a line together and that's the way you need to be. You need to stop being, uh, stop looking at division, stop looking at what separates you, you know, to be united. And you need to live in two worlds. You need to live in, in your own world where you've embraced your, your, your uh, traditional uh, values and, and spiritual practices. And uh, you also need to live in, 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 uh, in the larger world as well. And if you combine those two things together, you can be even stronger, you know, and you can, you can beat people at their own games, you know, those who are doing things only for profit. He said, you can use this in unity to, to protect what we have and to live a good life and to be responsible for those, those uh, future generations. So unity, harmony, harmonious relationships. That to me was the biggest uh, medicine that came across the fire to me because that is what is needed more than anything else in this world is unity. 
It sounds like pie in the sky, but it's a, it's a, it's a absolutely essential that uh, we, that we do move in that direction as as much as we can to cultivate good relationships amongst all peoples, because we're all in this together as humanity. And if we don't learn to 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 live together in a good way, it's just like our our, our teaching from Tichwalatsa. Um, uh, Loi kusu talokse teskakato s'elokla'atas e'ev. We need to live together in a good way. That's the message that uh, came from Tichwalatsa when Tichwalatsa was transformed. That carries great significance to us today. And uh, um, I think uh, that um, when people when when people engage and they, they they come from different cultures, there's an extra effort for us to to try to understand, you know, where we're coming from first, and then and then to state the the good direction that we need to go in a way that is as persuasive as possible, so that everybody sees that the right way is the way that will benefit all our relations around us and us as human beings. That's absolutely beautiful and I, I think you're right. I think that for some people that comes across as optimistic. I'm. This is a very difficult conversation but I think you're probably one of the best people to ask about this because it's such a difficult question. Uh, you talk about divisiveness with the discovery of the 215 uh, lost children. How does other people's religions fit in? Because I see a lot of people absolutely enraged with the Catholic Church, with Christianity as a whole, and part of my thinking is that those people who committed those atrocities weren't rep representing their religion at all in a proper way. And to me, those are bad actors. And perhaps we shouldn't blame the teachings or the original teachings of those belief systems because it's pretty clear if you read the Bible that there's nothing about it that says they should have gone out and done what they did, that there wasn't yeah. any connection between the two. And so for me, I'm, I think it's complicated because I think for a lot of people, this is a, well, let's just throw away religion and belief and spirituality and let's just throw all those things away because they make people do commit atrocities. And to me, it's these people weren't representing their religion at all in any positive light and they were committing crimes that they knew themselves would have been wrong. Like there's nothing about any belief system that I'm aware of that operates in the Fraser Valley that promotes murder, genocide, abuse, sexual assault. Like that isn't the, the fundamental teachings. And so I'm interested to know what your thoughts are on how we should navigate this very complex dialogue and because I think a lot of people are handling it um, poorly, perhaps. Yeah, yeah, uh, that that's one of the biggest uh, challenges that uh, that we're facing right now. Because um, uh, uh, religions uh, and religious institutions uh, wield a, a lot of power and uh, influence. And, that, and we see it in our own history because uh, as, as heinous as some of the things that, uh, 
that were done with that intent, you know, to kill the Indian and the child. Um, uh, it was, uh, um, it comes with, uh, uh, within our people, a lot of, uh, of uh, mixed feelings about it. Because, like you said, they saw some of the, the good teachings that came out of, uh, of, out of religion. Uh, yet, uh, it was in sharp contrast to the behavior of those who were supposed to represent their religion. Um, and I've, uh, I've struggled with this uh, all my life um, because uh, I, 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 I hated religion. I hated uh, uh, what happened. Um, I wanted to be a priest when I was a little kid, but because uh, uh, I saw, you know, hey, the, you know, these are kind-hearted people, you know, they look, they sound like they're good people and everything, so I want to be like that too. So, so, um, but then I, then, then I uh, uh, caught wind of, uh, of uh, the blood that is on religious hands, you know, throughout, uh, throughout the history. Uh, how patriarchal it was, how, how they um, um, uh, persecuted uh, so many people in, in, in the name of, uh, of uh, Christianity. It, it, it was horrible. Um, so I, I, I turned my thinking uh, to, okay, I, I'm rejecting that, I don't like that. Um, and then uh, I talked with a lot of elders and uh, they, they said, well, you know, uh, uh, those people who were behaving like that uh, didn't really, really uh, uh, live uh, what it meant to be a, a true Christian. And then I thought, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Uh, and then uh, there was there was just a continuation of uh, of this um, kind of oppression that uh, that was there. There's there's some still some underlying oppression that is there, and so I got to thinking that uh, our people, how did our people think about spirituality, you know, before the Christians came? We had our own spiritual practices um, that served us well. So we knew how to pray. We knew how we knew how to, uh, to to act spiritually, to live spiritually. So I started to learn more about that, and uh, out of it, uh, uh, I came to uh, believe that everything as I was talking about, has, has a life spirit. We're a life spirit. Um, we're spiritual beings. We're, we're, we're uh, multidimensional beings. We're spiritual beings, emotional beings, mental beings, social beings, political beings. We're, we're like that. But how we how we relate to that, when we say all my relations, how we relate to acknowledging that uh, Mother Earth is sacred and has a spirit, the stars, the moons, you know, the sun, they all have a spirit and, a, and an energy and a particular kind of energy. Um, and that the spirits of our ancestors, um, 
They're always they're 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 available to us uh, anytime we uh, want to connect with them. I came to think that uh, that um, there isn't one, you know, holy man in, in the sky somewhere out in the universe. Maybe uh, has a long beard and is watching over everything that we do. I I have a, I had a big problem thing uh, uh, kind of relating to that, right? And uh, so I thought, no, that's not the way it is. Uh, not for me. That the story of Christianity has come from a land far, far away, and uh, uh, the way we uh, related to spirit is uh, way, way, way different. But the the way that Christianity has come to North America. They're imposing this. They're proselytizing. They're, they're, they 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 did it in, in 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 such a violent way to try and make us Christians to thinking that uh, we were they're civilizing us. And yet, see, look what they did. It wasn't very civilized. We were civilized. We were already civilized. So this proselytization. I thought a lot about that, and I thought. Well, you know, Christians uh, proselytize. Hi, Christians proselytize a lot, um, but we don't. You know, we what we we like to tell people is uh, when we talk about religion or anything, we say uh, take what is useful to you and set the rest aside. That's all. So we don't. We don't want. We don't say ours is the best way. We don't say you have to be like us. No, no, you. If you, if you, if Christianity is something that helps you, Christianity uh, <clears throat> gives you the, uh, uh, I guess, the teachings that uh, that allow you to, to to live in harmony. Well, you know, you go and do that. But I'm a pagan, and I don't need to be saved, right? I I have my own belief systems. I I, I follow uh, uh, teachings of uh, the Longhouse, uh, the ones that I know that are good. Um, and um, I don't. Uh, I, I'm not totally immersed in, in in the Longhouse. I'm not a dancer. They have a, a, the those who become dancers have a lot of teachings that I don't know about. Um, but the ones that I do know about uh, have great meaning to me. And uh, when I picked up the sweat lodge and the medicine wheel, I, it was those were two uh, <coughs> two two spiritual practices that uh, that resonated with me and uh, it has nothing to do with Christianity right. nothing not uh, and uh, I say that without prejudice I say that you know um, it's like Buddhism and Taoism and uh, Christianity and uh, all those other religions around the world uh, uh, they're there uh, they're to be acknowledged and people pick it up and and uh, <clears throat> although it's uh, it gets used the wrong way, um, there's uh, there's a right way, and uh, so you pick up those beliefs and you want to do that, then that's your business, but not mine. Yeah, I definitely I'm seeking, I guess, to try and reconcile the differences because I had the opportunity to learn that there is a spiritual belief that. Um, 
when there was a great flood for indigenous people, we all connected canoes together. And that's how we coped with the great flood. And we were all raised up. And that's how we survived the flood, which has a lot of parallels to Noah and the ark. And this idea that they created an ark to protect themselves. But the underlying moral story behind the two is that eventually you're going to be flooded. Um, if you don't prepare, if you're not cognizant, if you're not being conscious of what's going on, you're going to be flooded. And I think New Orleans is a good example of what that looks like in reality, because um, during Katrina, they mm. stopped maintaining their dikes. Mm. There was corruption within New Orleans. They stopped paying attention. They stopped being conscious. They stopped being focused on maintaining the walls mm. and protecting themselves, and they were flooded. Now, Obviously, I'm not going to say that they deserve that or, or anything like that. There was corruption within their, their political system, which had impacts on their community. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, those are the opportunities that I'm looking for to kind of bring these two back together. Because I don't, I'm not sure I believe in a person named Jesus Christ, but I do believe that there's something deeply true that we're looking for role models that we're looking for people to emulate and that's what this podcast is about and the idea behind jesus christ is he is the ultimate role model he died for everybody else to live and he had an understanding of how to relate to the world and the idea that you should try and embody him or be like him is the idea that you should aspire to be the ultimate good in the world and try and strive to the highest ideal possible, which is taking care of seven generations back and seven generations forward. That's to me, they don't, I don't want to find ways that they're different. I want to find ways that we can bring them together because there's always been this deep entrenched idea that indigenous values are in contrast to Christianity. And while I do agree that there's differences, I think that there are opportunities to find a connection between them, and that's how we perhaps reconcile with Christianity and how we move forward in a better direction. So I'd like you to tell us more about the medicine wheel as well. Well, <clears throat> uh, some <clears throat> before the Europeans came to, uh, to what we call Turtle Island, there's, uh, and that's North America, there were some uh, people are guessing, but there was uh, some 22,000 uh, different kinds of medicine wheels all across North America, and um, the one that uh, the the one that I have uh, come to embrace is uh, Sun Bear's medicine wheel, and it has those uh, four levels of uh, of uh, 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 layers to the medicine wheel <clears throat> that is comprised of thirty six stones, and at the center of the stone it represents the Creator, which uh, creates everything out of love, you know, the whole universe. Um, and, uh, and then you, uh, in the inner circle, there are seven stones. One represents uh, um, um, Mother Earth, one represents Father Son, one represents Grandmother Moon, and then there's the four elemental clans. The, uh, the turtle clan that represents Earth, the uh, frog clan represents uh, water, the thunderbird clan represents fire, and the butterfly clan represents the air. So those are the uh, um, uh, stones, those are the positions that teach us about our special 
nature, our special characters, our gifts. Um, and then um, from there you go to the four directions, the cardinal directions. Uh, you, when we build a medicine wheel, we uh, go to the north, the direction of uh, generosity where the buffalo uh, is. And then uh, we go to the east where the golden eagle is, representing new beginnings, uh, fresh new starts, uh, the qualities of clarity, wisdom and illumination. And then you go to the south where the coyote is, and uh, that represents the, um, uh, the direction of growth. <clears throat> um, growth, trust, and love are the spirit path positions that lead from that cardinal direction to the center. And, uh, and then the north is uh, back to where the elders are. And uh, so um, we, <clears throat> oh, uh, the west is uh, the direction of uh, the bear spirit. Uh, the direction of responsibility and uh, experience, uh, introspection and strength are the spirit path positions that go from that cardinal direction to the, to, to the center. So there are the, the, the four layers, each of those positions, 36 positions, oh yeah, and then the moons, there are, there are the moon posi positions between the cardinal directions. Um, and uh, we're all born under uh, under uh, one of those moons, and I was born under the uh, uh, um, the third moon of uh, of the north. And the plant medicine is uh, is uh, plantain, and uh, the stone is turquoise, and the animal spirit is uh, is the cougar. And uh, that uh, that moon position relates to uh, to one of the uh, inner circles, uh, the stone representing the frog clan. And the frog clan people are those who are, have deep feelings. They, they they have a great deal of empathy. Um, they, uh, um, they 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 uh, find they're always finding new ways you know they can uh, they can express those feelings so they're they they have that uh, special relationship with uh, the water spirits and uh, and grandmother moon that guides our dreams and visions and then there's uh, three stones you know between each of the cardinal directions all the way around the wheel so um there's uh, each position has a, a plant totem, an animal totem, a mineral totem, <coughs> uh, uh, a color totem, and um, what's the other one? There's the plants, the colors, the animals, and uh, colors. So um, each of those uh, each of those positions, uh, what, he, what he calls uh, that medicine wheel, is uh, is something that we can uh, we can learn from each of the uh, positions as we go around the wheel, and uh, it's important for us to to visit periodically each uh, each position so that we can learn and grow from from uh, from them all, and. 
it, it's all about uh, it's all about uh, balance and harmony. We're finding our ways, uh, finding our ways to, uh, to to balance, have that good balance uh, with our emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual sides of who we are as human beings. There's a, there are so many different teachings and, and ceremonies that are done, you know, with the with the medicine wheel that uh, that 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 can help us uh, 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 restore ourselves uh, to wholeness, because that's that's what the medicine wheel is about: returning ourselves to wholeness, and um, and and we need to do that periodically because uh, because there are fast changing. Uh, we we live in a world that uh, that that changes um, constantly, and so we have to continually to kind of readjust ourselves, you know, with it all. There's a beautiful rabbit over there. Yeah. Medicine wheel. They they represent growth. <laughs> you can see them all over the place here, right? Yeah. This morning. It's absolutely yeah. beautiful. Yeah. And. You've been involved in fighting for wild salmon for a very long time, and yeah. it's something that you've shown a true commitment to. And I'd first like to just appreciate you for that, because I didn't realize how important that is. But with the age of social media, I see a lot of people get involved and get very passionate about a cause and then drop it for the next cause. Mm -hmm. um, and it almost goes in quick cycles of this is the new issue of the day. I care about this issue. And then it disappears from their thinking. Mm -hmm. But being able to research and prepare for this interview, I got to see the utter consistency of your messaging and years of interviews and conversations with journalists hitting the same point and making the same coherent argument, fighting for the salmon. And so I'd like to pull us back a little bit to when this started, but I'd also like you to tell us a little bit about what it was like to be around Justin Trudeau and kind of see what's going on with this new government. Um, well, it's, uh, I got involved in the, uh, uh, the movement to uh, save our, sa uh, our salmon uh, in 2010, that's when I really uh, uh, made a big, huge commitment to uh, to uh, get involved and, and fully engaged. It was uh, Alexandra Morton, uh, Dr. Alexandra Morton, who is a marine biologist. She uh, uh, she did a walk um, from uh, Port McNeil all the way down to uh, to uh, Victoria, and uh, as she did, she. Uh, she she got a, a huge following, and by the time uh, she made it uh, down to Victoria, I've been hearing I was hearing on the news uh, all about it, and uh, so I decided that I would go over there too and and uh, and uh, support you know what uh, the messages that she was uh, giving, and that was to get open net pen fish farms out of the uh, migration routes of uh, Fraser River uh, salmon, and I said, wow, they're they're doing great harm to our salmon. Uh, we got to do something about this, so I'm going to support her. So I went over with some friends, and uh, I wanted to meet her, but uh, she was she was surrounded at that time with so many people that uh, I didn't have a chance to talk with her. Uh, but I but I kept following uh, what she was doing, and and eventually uh, we we did connect, and um, uh, they had, uh, uh, one of my friends uh, uh, started to organize a. Uh, uh, 
a paddle for wild salmon, you know, that went from uh, from Hope all the way to, to Vancouver. Uh, and um, what they, uh, at, at that time, they, the, the Cohen Commission was uh, was on and, and, and uh, it's, it was uh, studying the collapse of wild salmon that took place in 2009. And uh, that raised a, a big, huge concern to, to everybody about, uh, about whether or not uh, wild salmon was facing um, extinction or not. And so uh, having, uh, having participated in wild salmon ceremonies and learning our relationship to the, to the salmon, I, 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 I really took that to heart. And I thought, I'm not going to be backwards about this. You know, we, we consider ourselves as salmon people, just like uh, First Nations all across, uh, you know, the, the coast and, and up the river. You know, we all consider indigenous people, you know, living in the, by these waterways, consider ourselves as salmon people. So um, I carry that responsibility seriously to, to watch over and, and, and protect our salmon. So um, we uh, <clears throat> continued our, our activities to, to, to raise the alarm bells about, uh, about the, the destruction that that uh, fish farms were doing with diseases with parasites uh, uh, with dangerous pathogens um, and uh, uh, how salmon were collapsing around those uh, those open net fan fish farms it was uh, it was frightening actually to 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 even even to ponder, you know, what, what would happen if we didn't have any more salmon, you know? It's a, it would be horrific to us uh, as Quilmuk people. It would, it would damage us uh, severely. Um, so uh, at one of the um, uh, events uh, in, in Victoria, there was a, a friend of Dr. Alexandra Morton, Anissa Reed. Uh, she worked tirelessly. She worked like a trooper. She was uh, uh, just a, a powerful force uh, working with, with uh, Alexander Morton about, uh, about uh, protecting wild salmon from fish farms. But she had gotten tired and, and so she, uh, she, she came to me and she gave me a whole bunch of science and she said, uh, I know you're going to do something with this, Eddie. So. I'm passing all these on to you. So I said, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. So at that time she had initiated a, a farm salmon boycott. So I said, yeah, okay, I'll do that. I'll do that. So, so I picked up the, uh, that and, and I thought, wow, this is, this is an additional responsibility I'm going to have to uh, embark on. So I, uh, I started organizing uh, uh, rallies in front of uh, stores, big box stores that were selling farmed Atlantic salmon to try to uh, uh, stop fish farms at the cash register, so to speak, right? So that was a big uh, call there. And, and uh, we went all over. I, I, uh, I uh, kick-started quite a few uh, rallies at uh, big box stores uh, across across uh, British Columbia, you know, out in the island, down Vancouver, Kamloops, and other places. And um, 
but they 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 soon uh, those other places soon died down and they didn't uh, do that because they 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 turned their attention to other priorities right but i kept on going with it and um uh it seemed like uh the government was uh, not paying any attention at all to uh, what was happening so eventually um um there were there were huge in, uh, initiatives to try and and uh, wake up the uh, the the governments uh, both the federal and provincial governments um to uh to get fish farms out of the uh uh migration routes of our salmon and and um one of them was uh, some 130 days or so of an occupation uh of uh, the fish farms out on the coast and uh uh the fish farmers uh saw that uh, the awareness was going away up so they got an injunction and uh, they disallowed uh, uh, anybody to board those uh, fish farms but they, it really didn't stop the people who cared enough for the salmon on the coast there so they uh, they started to organize flotillas to go out you know to the fish farms and and uh, raise more public awareness about what uh, what was going on and they they had uh, uh, Chief George Quack Sister Jr. Uh, go uh, to the fish farms with the Martin Sheen uh, Sea Shepherd's boat research vessel, and uh, they gave him a GoPro camera, and they he he boarded the the fish farms, and uh, the fish farmers came to uh, uh, try and persuade him to get off their uh, fish farms, and he just talked circles around them and kept uh, kept. Uh, uh, taken videos of what was going on, you know, underneath. And uh, he found that uh, that many of those fish were um, uh, suffering from uh, from sores, they were deformed, they were uh, uh, quite visibly uh, diseased. And uh, there were there were tons of uh, of herring that got trapped in the in the fish farms, and so this this became hard hard additional hard evidence that uh, that uh, they're doing great harm to uh, salmon and uh, and its habitat. So uh, uh, we continued on, and and I, I found that uh, it was necessary for us to to, to move uh, from. Um, just holding boycotts in front of big box stores and to, to, to start uh, fundraising. And so we started fundraising and, and we sent money, you know, to, uh, to those in the front line, you know, who were, who were putting their hearts and minds and bodies and everything in, uh, in the road to try to get these fish farms uh, stopped. We sent money to, uh, to lawyers who were, who were undertaking legal action to get them out. Uh, uh, we sent uh, money to uh, scientists who were doing studies on uh, on this, and uh, right to this day, you know, we're uh, 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 as a result of all of this uh, activity, um, the indigenous people, uh, uh, Bob Chamberlain, uh, he organized at the political level. Um, a First uh, Nations Fishery uh, a Wild Salmon Alliance, and and um, he made a number of interventions that uh, 
that actually brought uh, the, the federal and provincial governments together. And they, they wouldn't have done that if there wasn't that occupation, though. But uh, there was an additional political uh, uh, force that was necessary to, to, to bring uh, them together. And as a result, they were able to get some fish farms out of the, uh, the Broughton Archipelago. And um, because uh, Indigenous people are more assertive and enjoy uh, international and national uh, support, um, there's a lot of talk now about uh, an action being taken by both levels of government in BC and at the federal level about the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. So we have some new legislation that uh, was passed at the federal level. Uh, the province has uh, UNDRIPA. So they're, they're, they're requiring more and more attention. You know, they're, they're, they're drawing attention to to indigenous rights and title and the need, you know, to accommodate, the need, you know, for free prior informed consent, all those principles have to be abided by. So um, more recently, uh, Bernadette Jordan, uh, who's the minister of uh, the Department of Fisheries and Oceans, she, uh, she consulted with uh, uh, indigenous leaders in, in the Discovery Islands and um, she decided that uh, that they didn't, since they didn't want them there, and and uh, um, she probably looked at some of the uh, science and hard evidence that was there, and uh, said, "Okay, uh, uh, we're going we're going to close down the 19 fish farms in the Discovery Islands," and so that uh, raised a whole. Um, uh, big concern by uh, Premier Horgan. Well, we were, you know, uh, um, consulted about this, and the uh, uh, fish farmers said this is not fair, and and so they uh, were not given enough notice either. Um, so they uh, they launched some legal action and and uh, got a judge to say that they have a point. Uh, you need to really, really consider whether or not you'll allow them to restock their fish farms. And so um, uh, the Wild Salmon Defenders Alliance, I, began, I established an organization called the Wild Salmon Defenders Alliance. Uh, together with uh, a lot of other uh, uh, interveners, uh, indigenous and non-indigenous, we, uh, we mounted a, a political campaign to get her to agree not to restock. So in June 2022, those 19 fish farms are gone. And now what we want to do is to make sure that uh, uh, that she carries through and, and, uh, and uh, becomes that emerging champion of wild salmon that we've been looking for at the federal level for so long. And Bernadette Jordan is the person who can do that. And so we're urging her not to renew any of the uh, uh, fish farm licenses that are going to be coming up uh, for renewal in, in, uh, in 2022. That's amazing. That's yeah. got to feel like such an accomplishment because it's been 11 years of working towards the same goal. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's right. And, and it, it does take a, a, an awful lot of determination to do it. I'm a... Um, 
I'm going over on March the 11th. Um, no, not March 11th, uh, July the 11th, uh, to join up with uh, George Kwok's sister, Junior. He's a hereditary chief, as well as uh, Arnold uh, Chikite, who's another hereditary chief. Uh, chief Darren Blaney of Kumalko, uh, First Nation and many others from uh, along the coast. They're inviting the, the, the river people down there, so I'm going to go down there. And uh, I'm, I'm going to be talking with uh, Chief Lara Mussel uh, to see if uh, she'll, uh, that if our council will, will uh, approve that I go over there and speak on behalf of uh, Squa, because I'm a councillor now, yeah. it's a Squa First Nation. So um, I'm sure that they will because uh, uh, Squat First Nation has long been a supporter of getting uh, fish farms out of the water. Yeah. So, so I'm. Uh, yeah. It, it, this uh, things seem to be moving in a in a good direction. You know, on a number of fronts. And, and this one is, <coughs> that's so dear to my heart. I'm, I'm just uh, I'm just so happy that uh, that things are that things are happening. And I can see that the uh, there is a sunset to this uh, fish farm industry. And, uh, if they move on to land and containment, fine, you know, but uh, uh, the bottom line is uh, they need to clear their way uh, out of uh, the uh, migration routes of our salmon. Yes, have you heard of the whales that um, they only eat wild salmon and they're very particular and they've caught this, um, I'm not sure what you call a group of whales, but they've found that this clan of whales, um, I believe they're orcas, will only eat wild salmon. Yeah, 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 that's right. They they they, they eat uh, tai yi, the uh, spring salmon. They're yeah. they're they're very dependent on the on the spring salmon. Yeah. So uh, the uh, the pollution that uh, that that comes out of uh, fish farms is uh, is also harming the uh, the small fish that uh, that the whales depend on as well. So um, it. it there, there, there is a dynamo effect, you know. It, like there is a, there is a, uh, um, a series of impacts that uh, that uh, fish farms have uh, when they kill off our, our wild salmon, and um, one of them, of course, is uh, are the whales, you know, because they depend on uh, wild salmon and they're killing off, the, you know, what they need to eat as well as the herring um, and uh, as uh, as the salmon the, the salmon are uh, andronomous you know they go and they, they live in salt water and they live in fresh water so uh, uh, what happens to the salmon uh, down in uh, you know on the coast impacts us yeah. and what happens up uh, in along the rivers impacts uh, our people down there so we have to be united Going back to unity, we have to be united on on uh, saving something as precious and, and integral to our uh, spiritual, physical, uh, and cultural well-being. So, I, I'm just uh, so delighted. There's there's, there's a groundswell, yeah. a groundswell of support, you know, for our wild salmon that is happening, even in the political arenas of uh, the province and uh, and. Uh, and at the federal level, there there are people there uh, who are who are beginning to realize, yeah, we uh, they're right, you know, we have to get them out of there. So, 
That's awesome. I'm really happy to hear that because it just shows what perseverance and commitment to one issue can bring about. But I'm also interested, you lived over in the East Coast, and now you're back here on the West Coast, and you're from Squaw First Nation. Can you tell us a little bit about the differences that you notice between um, Indigenous people, maybe the approaches or the values? And then can you tell us a little bit about Squaw First Nation? Uh, yeah, we're... Uh... Like when I was growing up back east, uh, I I, uh, I came to uh, to really respect uh, the the the, uh, the what was called uh, the Indian movement at that time. Um, there was uh, there was the creation of uh, of uh, you know it was it was a time when um, uh, all the work all the hard work of uh, some of our heroes, some of our, our warriors uh, uh, who are who are battling to 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 try and uh, to, uh, to 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 work towards uh, making sure that our that our uh, unceded uh, territories uh, were addressed, that we had indigenous rights, we have title to our uh, to our lands and our uh, what we call today our resources. And um, <clears throat> Uh, growing up in in uh, Setsil, Quebec, I I, uh, uh, I didn't know too much about uh, about Canadian history because it wasn't taught. Um, and uh, growing up in a bilingual community, uh, I didn't learn as much as I as I could have had I grown up right in my own territory here. Um, so my heroes and and in, in them days were. Uh, Cochise, uh, it was Red Cloud, it was uh, uh, Sitting Bull, uh, a lot of those uh, those leaders who were fighting, you know, for survival during uh, during their time, uh, they were my heroes. And um, and then uh, uh, when I got to when I got to know the the Montagnier, when I got to know the Mohawks and the Cree and uh, the Inuit. Um, there was a big, big movement that uh, that uh, that was associated with land claims, and um, um, I had gone down to university, and I and I got a I got a sense of the injustice that was happening, you know, to uh, indigenous people across uh, North America, and um, but I I was still thirsty for more, I was still wanting to engage and get involved in what was called the Indian movement in them days. And um, so I, I uh, graduated out of, uh, out of uh, the University of Prince Edward Island, got to know the Micmacs, which was really a lot of fun. Um, and, um, but I, I, I went back and I got involved with the Métis non-status Indian movement and, and I winded up moving from uh, Setsil to Montreal. And that's where I met uh, my good friend, uh, Art Manuel. <laughs> it was George Manuel's uh, son, right? Okay. And uh, um, he was uh, he was such an inspiration. Uh, I always enjoyed uh, uh, spending time with him um, and and talking. You know, at, at we were just young young guys at that time, and we 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 uh, uh, we were talking about uh, about land claims, the Constitution of Canada, what was uh, what was that like, and and uh, uh what what uh, controls that uh, the federal government had over uh over uh, uh 
uh, I guess lands and uh, Indians and you know lands reserved for Indians and that kind of stuff. And uh, we dabbled a little bit about uh, about what was going on in the international level. And um, anyways, uh, I was uh, so happy to uh, get to know the Mohawk people. Um, and uh, I, I I went to their longhouse and really uh, paid attention to how disciplined that they were about uh, about uh, their prayers. Um, always prayers of gratitude, um, acknowledging all our, our relatives, um, and, and, and knowing the history of the Mohawks as a very powerful and strong nation, um, and their philosophy, their, their, uh, uh, their laws, um, really had a, a, an, uh, an influence on, on even the Constitution of, uh, of uh, the United States of America. And uh, what I admired them uh, uh, the most was the, was about the the the, uh, the rightful place and the good place that uh, men and women had, and <clears throat> I thought it was very very interesting that uh, that uh, the women were the ones who uh, who were able to choose who was going to lead them, and uh, they would choose a, a man to lead them, but they. The men would have to uh, um, uh, conduct themselves as a as a good leader, um, and if uh, the women weren't satisfied, they could uh, they could take that leadership away and give it to somebody else. So, so yeah, I was very impressed with uh, with the role of the grandmothers, uh, the, roles, the role of the matriarchs within uh, the Mohawk uh, community. Could you just elaborate a little bit more? Because I think that, um, and I've mentioned this a few times, that I think our Western culture really doesn't value seniors or the elders properly. And I had the opportunity to interview Spencer Huskin, who's a sociologist, and he kind of lined that up with our capitalistic approach to everything is that once you're no longer in the workforce, once you're no longer contributing, that that is why we kind of have this approach with seniors. Because during COVID, we definitely saw seniors' homes not get the care that I think they absolutely deserved to have. And Indigenous culture is almost the exact opposite. And I'm so proud to be able to say that because there is, from a very early age, this respect for elders and this honor for elders that Western culture just doesn't have even a little bit in comparison to indigenous culture. Like as a native court worker, I worked with clients who were in custody. And when my predecessor um, would go into cells as an elder, they would give her the utmost respect and always want to offer that to their elders. So can we talk a little bit more about that in that same light? Sure. Um <clears throat> I think uh, uh, what uh, uh, First Nations uh, value the most about uh, about uh, elders is that they've uh, they're they're knowledge keepers. Um, they're the people who uh, who paid attention, you know, to to uh, what uh, what we inherit from our from our ancestors, and they're they're so willing to 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 share that. Um, and, uh, that's their, that's their time, you know, to be, uh, to be generous with that knowledge and, and without that knowledge, without, uh, without, uh, 
uh, ensuring that the, the laws and the principles uh, and the values that, uh, that we need to embrace are carried on. Um, it's through the encouragement of, uh, of our elders. And it's, uh, it's our elders who watch over our children too. They watch over and make sure that, uh, you know, they, they, they notice them and they see the, the, the special little gifts that they have and uh, what kind of a nature do they have. They, they can see, oh, that one's going to be a, a good hunter. That one's going to be a, a leader. That one is going to, you know, be able to uh, uh, do certain things that others can't, you know. So they, they, they reach out to them and, and, and they, uh, they, they kind of cultivate that, that that, that confidence and that, that encouragement to to the young ones. Uh, so, um, because of that role, uh, the, the, uh, Indigenous people uh, almost uh, revere elders because they've lived such a long life, and uh, they have uh, something something special to uh, to, to to pass on. Um, and uh, it, it's a wonderful thing. Uh, it, it's about um, about uh, not only a need, but uh, it, it's a love. Uh, it's a love for everyone. Everyone counts. Everyone is needed. Everyone belongs. Everyone has a role, and uh, to ensure that uh, that elders are included um, and are looked to. You know, for 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 the knowledge and the wisdom that they have, uh, they, uh, they we we have that practice of uh, ensuring that their their needs are taken care of, they're looked to, their 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 words and their um, um, feelings and uh, their knowledge uh, is all is all taken in. You know, with uh, with a great deal of respect. And that's why our young ones uh, are taught to uh, our young ones are taught to go to our elders and and uh, make sure that they're okay. Uh, bring them water, bring them food, uh, take good uh, loving care of them, and and actually uh, actually not uh, not just that, but to actually sit down and 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 spend time with them, right? Exactly. Because that's that, that that's uh, that's the most meaningful thing that you can give to a human being is paying good attention to them. I, I couldn't agree more. That's really what this podcast is about, is being able to give the space for someone to actually share their stories in a full way. And I just recently lost my grandmother, Dorothy Kennett, um, oh. and she she's took my mom in from Kokolitsa. Uh, she was a nurse there, and she took her in and uh, raised her as part of her family, even though they weren't biologically related. And um, with COVID, I didn't get to spend as much time as I would have liked because for me, over these past few years, I feel like I've really gotten to wake up and start to see my role in all of this mm. in uh, Chilliwack, in the Fraser Valley, in BC, and start to want to work towards that. And one of my biggest regrets is not being able to share this with her and get her feedback and so the only way i am able to carry forward is knowing that my uh grandmother rita pete she faced indian residential school and i cannot imagine the endurance you had to have to go through those experiences and choose to have children after that and then my mother who's has a disability 
and her willingness to carry on and take parenting classes and to want to do better for me and seeing my grandmother, Dorothy Kennett, who took my mother in and was willing to do that and then to help raise me. I feel this immense responsibility to them, this to carry on their legacy, to carry on this willingness to endure probably hell and try and pass better messages forward and to try and move forward despite all of the atrocities and all of the horrendous ways they were treated to try and do better based on them putting me on better footing because with um, my undergraduate degree and now I'm the first in my indigenous community Chihuahua to get a law degree or at least be working towards that I feel this response this opportunity to continue to represent these people who played such a pivotal role in my life and to know that they made sacrifices so I could be where I am today. Mm. And so it's, it's humbling and it's, it's exactly what you said. It's a purpose. It's somewhere where even though people don't know the work that goes in behind the scenes to put this together, that I know it's all worth it because I get to continue on with what these people before me carried. And now it's my turn to like carry the water forward and to try and help everybody move forward in a better direction and one of the ways i see that is bringing awareness and light to you because i'm sure that there are a lot of people who feel they lack knowledge or wisdom or someone to talk to and so being able to hear from someone like yourself is so important to me because it's something that i missed out on and it's something that i know a lot of people miss out on by not knowing how to connect or how to approach or how to send the email and people fall into this and then they miss out on everything that we've gotten to talk about so far and be able to grow from that. And so I really appreciate the value that Indigenous culture puts on elders because it's also putting weight on history. And that is one thing I think my generation is doing a terrible job of, is really understanding history in its fullest form, in the fact that a lot has occurred in the past and there were a lot of mistakes made, but how do we move forward better from those mistakes and from those atrocities? You know, what you said is so uh, profound. It's a, it's, it's a beautiful, it's so good to hear you, you, you speak that way because uh, that's, that's kind of uh, how, I, how we need to be. Um, whenever uh, Whenever we uh, uh, come to know our uh, family, to come uh, to know our roots, it's, uh, it's our family and our culture and our spirituality that is medicine to us. Um, and uh, those who have gone on before and we, we haven't had enough time to spend with them, um, we talk with others who knew them, right? And, and they tell us stories about, uh, about their life and what they were like. And uh, there's a lot of funny stories. There's a lot of uh, wisdom. There's a lot of, uh, uh, just a lot of uh, uh, a richness of, uh, of their life that, uh, that um, only people from different, you know, uh, parts of our, our community who, who witnessed and, and has spent time with ones who have gone on before that they carry a little bit of their spirit. And then when they get together and they, 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 may, they, 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 they have these fond memories of this person, they can put it back together again as a little package and, and, and really honor them, you know, 
for what how they were and or what they left behind what kind of light did they leave behind you know and you feel good you feel happy you know once you once you you know you know what what goodness they left behind and um i can see that uh, in, in 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 how you expressed all that um so um it's a it, it's like uh uh maybe somebody who you were close to like i was uh i was very close to my sister uh, ethel yeah. gardner yeah um she she was given a name by the elders called stalamathet and that means um uh, uh a woman with high education that's what that means right wow. in essence and um <clears throat> anyways uh, she 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 uh she went to university uh she got a a, a master's degree at uh UBC she got a master's degree at uh, Harvard wow she got a a PhD from Simon Fraser University you know and she did her thesis on um carrying the language forward right and um uh out of all her education out of all the uh, spectacular achievements that she, uh, that she made she never had a pretentious bone in her body yeah. she treated everybody just like you know like uh they were a long lost friend you know they uh she treated everybody with uh with respect and um and never put herself never ne ne never uh, put forward oh i'm doctor uh, you know this and that uh, she just uh, addressed herself as she always was you know and uh, i i admired so much uh, uh her ability to just stay grounded that way and just to uh um you know somebody who would talk with her for half an hour or so would know a little bit about her background but not the entire thing and uh but the depth of what she carried was was absolutely tremendous so um if uh it, it was in 2019 she started to get really tired and uh um in december uh i brought her to the hospital and she found out that she had bone cancer right and she was involved with uh with a a beautiful project called a stomach stultilum and that means uh, good medicine songs and uh we worked with uh Holly Arnson and Kevin Wright who were uh eco rock uh, musicians and uh our our uh, language carriers uh, Dr. Siam Yatiliot you know who was uh, the last fluent speaker in our territory and Katwis who is uh uh also a teacher and a relative of uh of hers uh, Dr. Siam Yatiliot and <clears throat> um but uh she helped create she was she was there to provide insights she was there to divide, you know to uh, kind of help coordinate and direct uh, the project in a good way and um uh we and and 2020 uh in january she she passed away uh and uh it was a, it was very sad but we had to carry on and uh we uh we we organized um um 
a showcase of uh, of the uh, four songs that we created, and she was so uh, such an important part of it. Yeah, it was Shwili, uh, Life Spirit, Chalpeyeth, Cedar Trees, Chachas Taqui, Sacred Salmon, and Tlithlake, uh, uh, which is uh, uh, Mount Chiam, where the water springs. Uh, those four songs were bilingual songs in Halkamalam and in English. And we had uh, McCammon school students and the pre-school uh, students from our community come together with uh, 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 Holly Arns and myself and Hotwis and my, uh, my niece uh, Cheyenne. You know, we were drumming and singing with them and we sang these songs and those songs were embedded, you know, in our Shkukriam stories and our Shkukriam stories. And uh, the school district number 33, um, Brenda Point, uh, she's, uh, she, she had helped ensure that that was uh, included in the, in the, in the curriculum of, our, of, our, uh, of school district number 33 at that level now. So uh, it was a, such a great, great celebration. But um, we all, all those who come to know Ethel and were involved in that project, our family, we, we, we made a commitment with ourselves that uh, she was such a, such a powerful force, you know, for, for the revitalization of our Halkamalam language, that we committed ourselves to whatever we do for the language, we'll do it in honor of Ethel. That is beautiful. And you have been working on that. So can you share a little bit about your work with uh, the University of the Fraser Valley? Because I know you're an elder in residence there. And one of your tasks is to uh, carry on the Halkamalam language. Yes, I, uh, uh, I'm so happy to uh, <coughs> and honored to be uh, an elder at uh, the University of the Fraser Valley. They, they, uh, they're, they're continuing to foster a, a really good positive relationship with, uh, with uh, the Stala people. And um, of course, they, they, uh, they, they have uh, uh, included in, in, in their uh, education program four levels of, uh, of Halkamalam that take people to moving towards, you know, intermediate fluency. And, uh, and that's what I have. I have the intermediate fluency. I've been working with uh, Siamia Tiliad in the and in the early days, uh, we had Tzatzlokwat, Elizabeth uh, Hurling, <coughs> Tzilayathlwit. Um, she, uh, she's from um, Matsqui and uh, Huyalamat. You know Huyalamat? No. Uh, she's uh, um, uh, one of the guitarist elders. Um, uh, Joanne uh, Hughes, you know her? Joanne Hughes, she's uh, she's the daughter of uh, of uh, uh, Huyalamat. Anyway, and and then there was uh, Yamalat. Uh, these were all these were all very active uh, uh, elders who who um, uh, passed on the language to us, and uh, and then uh, Siamia Tiliot, uh, who was honored at the university. Um, for her lifelong dedication to uh, to the Alkamalam language, and uh, so now she's Doctor Siamia Tilia, and uh, 
we're just so happy that she's the wealth of our language here in the in the Fraser Valley, and she's looked to, and she tries to be as generous as she can, you know, to help people uh, learn the language, uh, get involved with tools, you know, to help push the language forward. So, um, I'm a I'm a teacher of the language. I like to uh, I like to uh, um, teach my family the language, you know. Uh, so every every week, uh, I have family members uh, go on Zoom, <laughs> and uh, I put up uh, different uh, <clears throat> teaching tools on the, online, you know, on the Zoom, and uh, we go over teaching. Uh, I teach people uh, uh, how to introduce themselves in our language. I teach them some uh, some prayers, you know, that they can say in our language, and and you can see how how it it just brightens up their day, you know, just to learn, you know, how can only they're just so thirsty for the language. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's incredible, and uh, <clears throat> um, but we always do it in honor of Ethel. Yeah. You know, we 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 say, yeah, the, this word, uh, these these phrases, these words, these prayers, we have them now. They're never going away. And uh, this is these these are these are the uh, this is the language that we're carrying on. And and uh, the Indian residential school can't take that away from us. Where we're going to keep it, and we're going to pass it on. We're going to teach whoever else, you know. And our families and our circles who want to learn the language. So. That's that's so beautiful, and it's something that I think I, I I'm glad to hear because we we talk a lot, and I obviously rightfully so about Indian residential schools, the sixty scoop colonization. But I don't think we talk enough about how we're not down and out; we're coming back. Yes, and that's what I want to hear more of and want to promote is that. I'm here, like, I want to learn Halklamalam, I want to learn these tools, and I want to pass them on, and we're going to come back, and we're going to be on the upswing, and that is my hope to promote, is that I don't want people's pity, I want them to know that we are coming back with a vengeance, we are going to come back and make a difference, and show all the benefits of the culture and the history and what we have to offer, that it's the wrong mindset to conclude that we've lost and that now we need your help. It's that you might regret what you did because we're coming back and we're going to change some things around. That's right. That's right. And and um, and the way to do that is uh, is through song, right? Um, this song that, uh, that uh, we created inspires... A, a sense of responsibility to carry on just exactly what you uh, what you said, and that's uh, Thlithlike. And the story of Thlithlike is uh, is that she uh, Quelshanuk, who is uh, Mount Baker now, um, Quelshanuk uh, came up to our territory and he made an arrangement with the families here to to marry Thlithlike, which who is uh, Mount uh, Chiam. So. Lethlike went down to uh, where where uh, Kwelshanuk is uh, now, and they had uh, they had uh, six children. They first had uh, uh, three sons, and then they had three daughters. And when they had, after she had the three, they had the three daughters. She uh, she got lonesome for our territory here, and so she talked with uh, Kwelshanuk, and they. 
came to an agreement that okay, uh, the three the three sons would uh, stay here, and uh, you uh, you will take uh, the three daughters and you'll you'll move back to your your home. And so uh, that's what they did. So she made her she made her arrange uh, her trek back here, and um, she had her three daughters with her, and <clears throat> um, the dog that uh, Kralshanov had uh, followed her, and she tried to tell the dog go back to Kralshanov, but uh, the dog was loyal to Thlithlike, and so the dog followed her all the way back, you know, to. Uh, to our, our home territory here, and uh, she had she carried that uh, that uh, sense of responsibility that she felt that she needed to she needed to come back and watch over the people, watch over the salmon, and watch over the river. And uh, so, Chachals <clears throat> uh, at that time saw what was in her heart and uh, transformed her into. Uh, into Sleetlike, Mount Chiang, wow. and that's the highest peak in our valley here. And so uh, there are three small peaks. There's two up in the front there, and that represents Ayawat uh, uh, and Sayawat. And then there's Slumpkia, uh, which is uh, on the uh, just on the other side when you're facing uh, east. She's just on the other side, and uh, she's lower. And um, there's a waterfalls that come down, and that represents her tears because she's crying because she can't see uh, that panoramic view that uh, her older sisters have, yeah. you know. So, um, and then Dog Mountain is uh, the head of a dog, you know, that you see, you know, just behind uh, uh, Fleetlake, and Fleetlake uh, is now known as our as our mother mountain. And uh, she's uh, she's respected. Every time we go back there, we get that we look at Sleethlake from where the water springs. That's what Sleethlake means. Chiam uh, means always wild strawberries. And <clears throat> so there's a great significance. And um, um, when we think about her leaving her husband and her three sons down there and coming up here because she wanted to watch over. You know the uh, the salmon, the cedar, and the water, the river. Um, that care that instills a responsibility in us that we need to do. We need to take care of each other. We need to take care of the salmon. We need to take care of the river. And that's why I care so much. That's why that's why I I, I do what I can. You know, to participate in in river cleanups, save our salmon, and uh, and and be there uh, as much as I can. You know, to 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 help the people. You know, to be with the people. That's and, a, that's yeah. amazing. I'm I'm very interested to. We have to circle back to this. What was it like coming back to BC? What was it like to leave the East Coast and that culture and come to BC? Was it a was it was it a shift or was it a smooth transition? It was a it it, it was a answer answer to a longing that I had. You know to. Because when I was living out uh, in uh, in the east, I, I I admired the Cree and the, the Mi'kmaq and the Mohawks and the Abenaki. Uh, I learned a lot from them about their uh, uh, their songs and their dances, their values, uh, 
their history and all that. But I, I, I felt like I was still out of place, right? Because I, I wasn't <laughs> Mohawk or Cree or, yeah, um, Algonquin. Uh, so <clears throat> um, it took a little while, you know, like I was in uh, Montreal. I, I created the Native Court Workers Association. I, uh, uh, well, I helped uh, create that. I helped uh, create the... Uh, uh, the uh, Native Friendship Center there and the Provincial Association of Friendship Centers and what were so, those experiences like? They were they were dynamic. They were they were uh, very very involved uh, and um, it, it it got me to travel quite a bit around uh, around Quebec because I try I knew Quebec like the back of my hand you know before I I I left. Um, and it, it was uh, it was good to connect with uh, people from uh, uh, indigenous people from so many backgrounds uh, in uh, in Montreal as uh, president of the uh, of the uh, friendship center and and eventually I became the executive director of the friendship center um, and I I always uh, worked on intercultural understanding and respect I. Uh, I just love to uh, bring in the uh, the water drum songs and the rattles uh, uh, that the Mohawks uh, used. I, I learned their songs. I was just so thrilled to just to be there and learn those beautiful songs they have over at uh, Kanawagi. And so they came to the Friendship Center and shared them. And and uh, the Inuit, the Cree, they all they all had something special, you know, to to offer. And uh, being part of the Native Court Workers Association, they, um, it was bilingual. I had to learn, you know, to, to live in English and French there and, and uh, maneuver with the uh, federal, provincial governments and all that. You know, it was, uh, it was very challenging, but it was, uh, but it was uh, a, a, such an enriching experience. Um, so I carried, uh, I, I, you know, I carried a lot of that knowledge of uh, other nations uh, with me, and I, and I highly respect and highly regarded all of them. And I eventually made it to um, <clears throat> um, Ottawa, and I spent six years there uh, as uh, chief of native programs with the Department of Justice, and. Uh, that's that's when I got to travel all across Canada, all through the Maritimes, all the way up uh, Northwest Territories, Yukon, Prairies, BC. I, I came out to all the capitals, anyways, and and uh, <clears throat> and got that uh, that experience, uh, carrying on uh, some of the work that I did, you know, uh, at the federal level with uh, the cost shared agreements with the Native Court Worker Program and and also uh, Legal Studies for Aboriginal Peoples program. I was able to expand that from uh, from uh, five spots to 15 spots, you know, for Métis and, uh, and non-status Indians. So it, I, I saw how much work it took just to make that one change. <laughs> it was incredible. But I felt, I felt like I was stagnating, you know, in, in Ottawa. I wasn't really connected, you know, with the, uh, with the land and the, and the people. So I, I, I finally uh, 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 made it back uh, after six years in, in uh, Ottawa. I made it back to uh, Lytton First Nation. I was there as band manager. Um, and um, <clears throat> it was... Uh, 
it was a beautiful, beautiful time. They were doing a lot of work to save, save the Stein Valley and everything. Um, I, I, and so I still got uh, uh, lonesome for coming back home. And so I finally, uh, I finally left uh, uh, Lytton First Nation. I came back home to, uh, to our territory here. And um, uh, that was in, uh, in 1994. So I was, uh, in 1994, uh, it was uh, an incredible time with uh, Stalin Nation because the Stalo Tribal and Stalin Nation, uh, they came together and, and formed uh, uh, one, one strong nation. And for a while, you know, programs and services were expanding. We were looked to as role models. We were, and then eventually, uh, because of political reasons related to land claims and whatnot, uh, they, they separated again. So, uh, but uh, during that time, I, I, I did stay with uh, Stalin Nation, working with their government services. Uh, in the beginning, I was uh, I went to the longhouse and I uh, I, I I saw these uh, you know the Kukalitsa longhouse. I saw I saw people singing in our language there. I said, "Ooh, wow! That felt so good to me, you know, to hear hear our language being sung." I, I was I was thrilled to hear that, and so I went over to Tsilayakovit and I said, "Hey," I said, uh, "You guys are singing in." Uh, our language, that is awesome. She said, don't you know how to sing in our language? I said, no. I said, well, you should learn. <laughs> so I said, okay. I said, how do you do that? So she she told me about the movement, you know, that was afoot at that time, you know, to uh, to have our, our more of our people uh, get fully engaged with learning the language uh, with the goal of being teachers, you know, in their language. Wow, that was a big undertaking. So I thought, okay, so I did. So I joined, I joined the, the, all the classes that were going on there at that time. And there was all these beautiful elders who were fluent in the language at that time. It was so good to, it was thrilling, you know, and, and a lot of fun just to be with them. And and uh, they were so patient with us, you know. We, uh, we, uh, uh, in the beginning, of course, uh, and had uh, had that strong uh, English accent, learning the language and everything. But they were so patient about uh, teaching us the correct pronunciation. They worked with linguists, you know, to develop tools, you know, to to, to help us carry on the language in the right way. And and um, uh, then I I I decided I would uh, learn. I would uh, create a song, and it's Stalushwili Huyata, and um, um, that's the spirit of the Stalo forever. And so I, I, I created that song and sang it and, and uh, got people to, to learn it. But uh, uh, during those times, <coughs> uh, they said, you need to bring our language alive in the community. So if there's a funeral going on, if there's an event going on, if people need to hear our prayers in our language, you go there and you you, you, you share that. Yeah. At Christmas time, you know, there's uh, uh, public events. You go, you go sing some of the songs we have where related to Christmas and, and all that, you know. So we got busy and... I tell you, the, the, uh, during that time, I was younger and had a lot of energy and winded up at a lot of funerals and a lot of events just to share what I knew, you know, in, in the language, uh, along with uh, other teachers. <clears throat> and, um, but um, 
of course, you get busy with uh, a lot of other things. I never ever really left, you know, left the language, but uh, some of my attention went to some of the other priorities, like saving our wild salmon and and. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, I kept on uh, staying connected with uh, with elders and uh, linguists, and uh, took some lingu linguistic courses and kept uh, kept with the language. So. I feel like I'm growing in the language now. It's uh, it's good to to continue to teach our language, but uh, being in uh, in uh, our territory, I, n I I never had any songs come to me until I until I went to the water, and uh, I finally got uh, those songs I talked to you about. One was the four direction songs, and then I got an eagle song, you know. And then uh, later on, I got a healing song and raven song. So it's only because uh, because uh, I, you know, we uh, we connect with our ancestors through song. Yeah. We connect uh, to them through our language. Yeah. And I learned so much, uh, so many teachings, you know, of our people, their laws and our principles, our values from learning the language, and. Um, um, yes, uh, Dr. Siamia Tiliot, uh, she, 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 she is such a powerful motivator. She says something that just resonates with your soul, it goes deep. She said, Eddie, you know, our, our land is, uh, is lonesome for the language. You know, we need to, our land needs to hear the language more. Wow. You know, that, that really woke me up to a whole new level, you know. I said, yeah, okay, so I got to go out and I got to, uh, I, I, I really have to uh, uh, do my part, you know, to uh, pass on the language and, and uh, make it alive in the community. So I do it with my family, I do it uh, with our community. Uh, we have a vision statement, you know, that I, I got Siamia Tiliad to uh, fully translate for us and everything. So. So it's uh, it's it's just something that is uh, is uh, inspiring, and and I will continue to uh, to do my part. That's absolutely amazing. I absolutely understand. It's getting very hot. I'm hoping that you can quickly share with us a little bit about the sweat lodges that you've run. Sure. Um, and then we can we can wrap this up. For those of you who don't know, it's supposed to be a hot day on record, and so yeah. it is getting a little bit hot. So please, yeah. if you could share that with us. You betcha. Um, in our in our territory, we we had what is called a katusto, katusto, and that is a that is a sweat lodge hut, and wow. it was a it was a small dome, you know, where our people would build by the river, and uh, we'd go in there for purification. We'd go in there to cleanse and renew ourselves, you know, just as one person, and they would bring. Uh, they would cover, you know, the, uh, the the dome, the small dome that would be made out of willow boughs or or maple boughs, and uh, hot stones would be uh, brought in and close the door, and prayers would be made, songs would be sung, and then you'd open the door uh, for the four rounds, and you'd go in the water and come out all nice and refreshed, and and go back in and and just release. Just let go of all those things that uh, aren't good for your higher self, and and uh, 
and when you're finished with uh, with that, then then you become whole again. You become renewed again, and you you can make a nice new fresh start. So nowadays, uh, people are, are are thirsty, you know, for for sweat lodge, and uh, uh, they want uh, there. There's a desire now for communal, more communal uh, sweat lodges. So there's uh, there are sweat lodges now for men, for women, for young ones, for co-ed, for indigenous and non-indigenous. So there's such a um, uh, a huge need and a thirst, you know, for this this uh, spiritual practice that uh, that uh, helps people, you know, uh, uh, restore themselves, purify themselves. So we have these uh, uh, sweat lodges now um, at uh, different places uh, across uh, uh, North America, and uh, and of course in British Columbia, there 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 are people who are sweat lodge keepers and my uncle Terry is uh, is one of them um, when I was in uh, in Lytton Siowa um, uh, uh, she was a she was an a, an elder up there and she uh, she taught me how to make drums she taught me how to uh, uh, conduct a sweat lodge ceremony she took me on a vision quest you know to to do that and then I uh, then I went to uh, uh, other other sweat lodge keepers and I learned you know uh, from them how they do ceremony and uh, I learned that uh, that if you're a sweat lodge keeper you you uh, you go you go by those teachings you go by those practices that resonate with you and uh, and make sure that uh, <clears throat> that you you follow all the proper uh, protocols for it and uh, and and the power of the purification ceremonies will do its magic, healing you on those uh, four levels: mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And so, um, I created uh, uh, a sweat lodge. I used to do a sweat lodge ceremony with my uh, my uncle Terry out in Skokeo, and he used to invite the uh, students from the university and. Uh, faculty from the university to come and benefit from a sweat lodge if it resonated with them. And so uh, <clears throat> I, I, I did help him. He, he had some community sweat lodges there as well. And, and uh, so I learned a lot from him. I was, uh, I was his helper. And, uh, and uh, as a helper, you start the fire, you uh, cover the lodge, you make all, you do all the preparations that are necessary. And then, uh, and then Uncle Terry would come and he would uh, conduct the ceremony. Um, so I did that, um, and um, my uh, uh, my other relative uh, Shirley Hardman, my cousin, she uh, she ran sweat lodges too. So I so I, I learned from her as well, right? And um, so. The, the sweat lodge was moved from Skokale over to Stalo Nation, and then uh, um, gradually uh, uh, Uncle Terry didn't come anymore, and I didn't Shirley, so I was it. <laughs> so I, I had to uh, continue on, you know, with uh, with the ceremonies, and so we invite people from uh, the Correctional Services of Canada, uh, from the university, from schools, from community, whoever needs it, you know, we did, uh, we did ceremony for them. And that's our teaching that uh, 
that we don't accept uh, uh we don't we don't ask for any money we're not uh, that that's that takes away you know uh, that materialism takes away from the uh the authenticity of the uh of the ceremony and the one who is running it uh, we we do it with joy and love in our hearts uh, we do it with the intention of uh of uh helping the people you know reconnect with uh who they are and where they come from what sense of life purpose do they have what what do they need to take their next uh, steps into their lives you know <clears throat> all their guides all their all their ancestors um they they wind up being in the lodge and the lodge there's uh the negative and the uh, positive energies and you learn from both of them in there we sing our sacred songs during the four uh, rounds we we offer our sacred medicines like uh, sweet grass and uh, lavender uh, sage and cedar uh, all of those are powerful powerful medicines that are that are put on the uh, on the grandfathers because we call the lava stones that we bring into the uh, into the lodge and pour water on them the steam rises up and everybody uh, everybody gets a, a purification from that and a, and a connection with the spirit because we're all spirits we're all sitting in a circle as spirits and we we develop these uh, these tobacco ties we make these tobacco ties at the beginning of ceremony and um, uh, and it's uh, for the uh, six directions and the forgotten ones and so uh, we pass those uh, tobacco ties around so people can put their prayers in it and we put them up on top of the lodge inside so that uh, there's a place for the ancestors to watch over us and, and to pass on any any guidance any uh, love any all, all the things that they have to offer to help the people with what they're going through you know they're emotionally uh, disturbed and uh, they help them with that if they need help you know with some physical healing they the purification helps with that uh, mentally if they're mixed up and confused then uh, the ceremony helps them clear their minds so they can think straight and uh, come out you know with uh, full of grace upright and strong you know to continue their next steps in their, into their lives so um, I think that uh, in in our territory there uh, there there are some, but there there doesn't seem to be enough uh, sweat lodge carriers. So, and myself, I'm having a, a a challenge to get somebody to to uh, to take over the lodge uh, because uh, I'm 75 years old right now, and and. Uh, I have to anticipate that uh, when it's my turn to leave, I want somebody else, you know, to to, to carry on uh, this uh, this practice. That uh, uh, people who have uh, participated in it from all backgrounds have uh, have benefited uh, tremendously. And like I mentioned before, uh, um, we uh, we ask people to respect the protocols, you know, that are there. Uh, and uh, there, 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 there are so many teachings that come with the uh, sweat lodge. Uh, sometimes we do uh, uh, pipe ceremonies, you know, before we begin the, the first round. Um, some people do it in the third round, in the last round. Um, it's really important for us to uh, um, 
know the significance uh, of uh, uh, of a pipe ceremony and uh, and sweat lodge purification. Uh, it's it's uh, it's important for people to have that understanding. So that of all the steps that it takes, you know, to do ceremonies, so that when uh, uh, when they participate in it, then. They know what to do. They don't feel backwards. They don't feel like, uh, oh, I don't understand. They, they, they go with good intentions. You have to go in with good intentions and good thoughts and good feelings, you know, so that uh, uh, when you go in, uh, uh, you'll, you'll get what you need. So, um, sweat lodge is uh, uh, very, very, uh, very sacred. Um, the first round is always about uh, taking care of yourself, you know, yeah. cleansing yourself. Because if uh, they say if you don't know how to take care of yourself, you don't, if you don't love yourself, if you uh, don't respect yourself and feel worthy, then uh, you can't take good care of anybody else, right? Yeah. And so um, the, the second round is to honor uh, women. It's to honor all the uh, feminine energies of the universe. And uh, the first round, of course, is the eagle, the eagle in the east, asking for uh, medicine, asking for good things to come to help you make a new beginning. The second round is uh, to, to, to help you reconnect with the uh, feminine energies. And then uh, the, the third round is, is uh, the round uh, for uh, the men and all the masculine energies. And uh, the uh, Thunderbird spirits come in at that round, and uh, the Bear spirit visits us, and that kind of thing. And then uh, we go to the uh, to the north, and and that's the the, the direction of uh, generosity. It's the happy round. Everybody feels good because they they return to a state of uh, wholeness, you know, through ceremony, and uh, <clears throat> we get the teachings of, uh, right? yeah. And we, uh, yeah, so we, um, we uh, greatly benefit uh, from, from, uh, from the ceremony. And when we <coughs> come out of the uh, sweat lodge, uh, when we go into the sweat lodge, we're supposed to bow in humbleness and, and make our way to where the sweat lodge leader asks you to go. Usually the women are on the south side and the men are on the north side. Sometimes it's the opposite way around, depending on uh, who runs the sweat lodge. Um, and uh, <clears throat> there's a fire keeper who uh, who has to be there and and uh, and make sure that the uh, the grandfathers are all heated up. Uh, and there's a there's a path between the fire, the sacred fire, and the lodge. The sacred fire represents the grandfathers and the, and the fire that's uh, that's all masculine energy and uh, the path is a sacred path from the fire to the lodge when the stones are brought in and they're put in the in the center the people in the lodge welcome you know the grandfather to come in and be there <coughs> and the willow boughs are are constructed uh, in a way that uh, <coughs> honors uh, the the four directions, and uh, the willow boughs are, are represent uh, um, uh, a feminine energy because uh, 
they're really, really connected to uh, to the water spirits. The willow boughs are the ones that uh, can last a long time without water. Uh, and uh, and then when we uh, bring the uh, sacred water in, uh, uh, the water spirits are a feminine energy as well. So yeah, you you continue to have that balance of uh, of uh, masculine and feminine energies in ceremony with the sweat lodge. So <clears throat> um, people ask questions about the sweat lodge. Uh, that's fair. That's good. The sweat lodge keeper has to uh, ensure that. Whoever comes, they need to uh, inform the, uh, the sweat lodge keeper about any any uh, ailments that they may have, any any uh, problems that they have, and uh, sometimes they they bring tobacco, you know, to the sweat lodge and ask for special prayers, and so <clears throat> uh, that is that is given sometimes as well. So. Um, so, like I said, there's uh, there's uh, there's that and so much more to learn about the sweat lodge, but it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a good it's a really good ceremony, uh, and I'm 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 honored to 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 have learned you know from uh, sweat lodge keepers to how to how to do ceremony like that, and I'm I'm still committed to uh, to uh, making sure that we can uh, have a sweat lodge that can even be uh, conducted uh, during during um, a fireman because yeah. we have a, a big oven right. you know, to contain the fire right yeah. and then we have a, a nice cover for the lodge <clears throat> and um, uh, we want uh, to move the sweat lodge to uh, um, an area that doesn't have any bathroom facilities so we want a little structure there you know that would have bathroom facilities a change room a place for uh, to to warm up some food and a little dining area, yeah. uh, so that all the needs you know for the uh, uh, those who participate will be taken care of. So that's that's what I have. Uh, that's the, that's my vision for our, our sweat lodge grounds at uh, at Squaw. That sounds brilliant, and I think that you talking about it just shows the richness of the culture that I don't think gets talked about enough. It frustrates me to know that we say indigenous culture, it's always said indigenous culture, but having you describe it really helps show the depths of the culture and the meaning behind why you do what you do and the meaning behind why people get such a benefit out of it. Because as a native court worker, I got to see a lot of those benefits. And so I'd like to offer an open invitation to you anytime you want to come on the podcast and share more about these these cultural teachings anytime you want. It can be next week, it can be in six months, whenever works for you, because I really think that the information you're sharing is timeless and really lacking in our culture right now. So I'd really like to thank you for, for taking the time to share so much knowledge and so much wisdom about the rich history of Indigenous people and making it accessible for so many people. Well, thank you very much for that uh, invitation. And uh, <clears throat> uh, uh, perhaps uh, when we get our, our uh, vision for our, our squad community, sweat lodge grounds all in place there, I can invite you invite you there and we can maybe do a podcast there. That would be absolutely amazing. I'd love that. Wonderful. Thank you very much, Eric. Thank you for enduring this heat. Yeah. I know it's getting very hot. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in. Thank you very much. Thank you.